You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's, that's it. One more. Get it right. No. They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days, they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> there, there's is the sports loud mouth man can you keep it down i'm trying to introduce here with errol marks and speedy Beatty. you're not even a has-been you're a never was you're a never was you're a never was it is no more july 4th it's not independence day it is the sports loud mouths day July 5th, ladies and gentlemen, 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Listen to all our shows throughout the week, including the Sports Loudmouths, which airs every single Wednesdays, which we are live right now, 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Great shows, great content, and great guests. Tune into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network throughout the week. www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Speedy Petey, happy, well, X-4th of July. X-4th of July, even though it was just uh, not, too, not too many hours ago. It was well, it's not 4th of July anymore, so yes. it's X. Yes, uh, t- technically, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, X marks the spot. Hope all the fans listening had a very uh, happy 4th of July, had a lot of fun, had a safe travels if you were traveling as well. You were. Yes, I was. I was in Connecticut. Um, I, it was actually interesting because my uh, there were fireworks actually right near my house, literally the house right near that. So we got to see them really up close. It was very, very cool. And it was like literally the neighbors had just moved in like three years ago, too. And it was a great show. Our neighbors did some, too. Did some sparklers. It was very cool. Sparklers and, are not fireworks. They're not fireworks. I know. I know. They're uh, like uh, for kids. They're, yeah, no, no, they're I know. little I, boring things that no, no, flash in your hands. I know. They did a couple fireworks, but didn't have as many of them. But at the neighbors uh, across the street, they were they were the big ones. You know what I used to like to do when I had M80s? I used to throw it like within five or six feet of my cousins, and it would blow. <laughs> and everybody would tell me, "Are you nuts? That's a that's a, that's a quarter stick of dynamite." But it was funny when I was a kid. I was a little crazy, but uh, I see. Yeah. Yeah, I'm crazy on the show. I'm crazy for real life. So I, I will say this. Happy 4th of July for everybody out there. I hope everybody had a great 4th. It's my favorite holiday. I was working. I was DJing on the 4th of July. I got a chance to watch a little bit of fireworks, but also was at a wedding. And it was a great wedding, by the way. Uh, two very loving people. And I was very excited uh, to be there. And uh, I got paid pretty well. So thank you. To uh, Fourth Generation and everybody out there uh, that made my 4th of July just so hardworking. But anyway, Speedy, um, b- besides your family weekend of holiday spirit, what else did you do? Uh, barbecues. We, we did. A par- there was a parade in the town too. We went to, and we had. I had probably the best ribeye steak. We got these uh, ribeye rib steaks. Ribeyes. Yes, we, nice. uh, it was probably the best one I ever had. That uh, we. It was big too. Was yeah. it raw? No, it wasn't raw. You like a raw steak? Um, I'm more of like... You like it a little bloody? Uh, no, not bloody. Come no. on, Speedy. You don't like I, it bloody? I, I'll do some red. I'm not going to do bloody. You like it wet? Yes. 
nice and wet, right? Yeah, but not bloody. Like the, that's a, that's a mm. flavor thing. There's a difference. You like the flavor, right? It, it has a little bit of a I, tangy yeah, I, taste I, to I'm, it. I'm like on the middle of like uh, if you were to do like people that know steak uh, cooking, medium, medium rare. Well, I am not middle. a chef, okay? So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I am. I do like my steak a little bit medium well. But uh, okay. I can eat a bloody steak, and I, I think you're more of a carnivore. So I think, and, and like you said, you like sausages, and, and sausage, you like a dark, spicy sausage instead of a white, dry sausage. Am I right? You are right. See, I know you like a book. So Speedy likes it nice and wet. So there you go, guys. At 7.30, we'll be talking to free agent wide receiver Devon Williams, a 23-year-old, undrafted free agent, signed uh, with the Ravens last year and played for Oregon. So uh, he will be joining us uh, at 7.30. At 8 o'clock, we will be talking to former Orioles, Blue Jays, and Yankees pitcher, our friend, Josh Towers. We haven't spoken to Josh in a while. I know his son, the end of the season last year. I know his son and his nephew were playing baseball. Yes. I would love to see what they're doing right now. Uh, Damian Lillard requested a trade from the Trailblazers as he's pushing his way, like I was saying, to Miami. As we know, Pat Riley has done this before. He seems to get his man. So I believe Damian Lillard, one way or another, will be a Miami Heat, probably in the next couple of weeks. I think one way or another, they're going to have to bite, and it will be a three-team trade, because I can't see Miami trading enough to getting back Damian Lillard. I think Portland's going to try to fleece somebody. So I think there will be another team involved in this trade. Many NBA executives believe that James Harden will be traded to the Clippers as another guy trying to push his way out. Uh, James Harden, a lot of big-time superstars this weekend, including Tom, a.k.a. Goat Brady, was hanging out at Michael G. Rubin's house. The, if anybody doesn't know who Michael G. Rubin is, he's the CEO of Fanatic. Uh, he does all different clothing, and, and he's a big clothing line guy. Uh, he's worth $11.3 billion, and I wasn't invited. So it, it sucks. I, I should have been the one DJing at that party. It was a great party. Jay-Z, Beyonce, Affleck, Ben Affleck, and J-Lo. Everybody was there. Everybody but me and you, Speedy. I am so hurt that Mr. Michael Rubin didn't invite us. So how do you like that? I don't know who the guy is. So well, we should have been invited. First time. We would have been the superstars of the party. Walking through the door, James Harden was there. Devin Booker was there. All the Kardashians were there. But Speedy Petey and Errol Marks were not invited. I, I'm very upset at you, Michael. Thank you very much for not inviting us. Uh, NBA free agency recap. We'll get into it. We'll go through all the players that signed new contracts, either with the same team or new teams. Uh, NHL free agency recap as, again, just like the NBA, the NHL uh, has players that decided to go elsewhere or, you know, sign with the same teams. MLB All-Star Game rosters released. Let's parlay with Derek. He's back. The Mountaineer, he is back. And Jonathan, is he going to show up today? Yeah, he said he would on our Johnny our Boy, Johnny B. Bad will and, be joining us. And we also might have, he doesn't have any, he said he's not going to spoil his picks. Wes said he also might come on as, as, a, as the role as like the substitute for Chas. Because oh, Chas could that. make it tonight. Wes will make a return on Let's Parlay. I haven't seen Wes in a long yeah, time. Yeah, he said he doesn't want to spoil his CFL picks for tomorrow's oh, show. Oh, poor Wessie Bessie. <laughs> I did wish him a happy 4th of July. I did. I, I offered him a nice. Happy Fourth of July, and he said, "Thank you, sir." I am not a sir. I he I, am I older than Wes? 
I think I am. I think I am a little older than Wes. I'm older than everybody. I'm older than dirt. I've said this already, and I'm going to that. Yes, dirt was invented in 1982. That's right. And I was the first of all dirty people. There you go. Uh, Bracket Wars tonight. The number 13 seed, Hank Aaron, moves on versus the number one seed, Michael Jordan. The number four seed, Babe Ruth, versus the number one seed, Muhammad Ali. By the way, everybody on Twitter took Deion Sanders over Michael Jordan. I saw that. Oh, I have no idea. And I understand there's a lot of love for Deion Sanders. <laughs> He's a great athlete. But Deion Sanders was not better than Michael Jordan. I'm sorry. I, and I love Deion. And, and thank God he's okay. He got out of surgery. Yeah. He has not lost his foot, so that's a good sign. Colorado should be very, very happy. Uh, but uh, Deion Sanders did get out of surgery healthy and okay. So congratulations to Deion. I'm very happy that he is making a safe recovery. But, uh, yeah, great show lined up. Uh, looking forward to getting Devin Williams on. We haven't spoken to him yet. And a uh, young kid. Uh, that is looking for a job. And I think, uh, who knows? There are a lot of teams looking for talent out there, and why not look for a young wide receiver that has speed, probably can run a 4-5-4-4, and can do a lot of different things on the field that other teams are looking for and looking for a playmaker. Damian Lillard requests a trade to the Trailblazers. And I, I will say this, before we get into this, Dame... Willard, and I call him Dame Willard because if you remember the movie Willard, okay, there was two rats. There was the good rat and there was the bad rat. And I don't know if anybody's ever seen Willard, but if you haven't, I'm not going to give the story away. The, the bad rat was jealous of the good rat. And eventually, the bad rat does something evil to the good rat. And with Willard in the movie, he found a way to become what his rats mainly wanted him to become. And that was become evil. And eventually he destroys those evil things in his life. Damian Lillard is a superstar in the NBA. He is. He's one of the best point guards in the league, if not the best point guard in the league. He's also the highest paid point guard in the NBA. He has a good side to him. On the positive note, last year when he signed his two-year deal worth about $120 million, which made him the highest paid player in NBA history, he said he wanted to be a Portland Trailblazer for life. And that was good because I know the Trailblazers, they love him and they cherish who he is as a player. And a lot of these youngsters on this roster look up to Damian Lillard for the positive notion of his respect for the organization and what he has done helping the organization grow as a whole. And then obviously this offseason, there were stories coming out from Portland that they needed to get somebody that would fit in the backcourt with him. So what did Portland do? They drafted a two. A guy who can help Damian Lillard on a perimeter. And now, after the draft, after they did what they believed was going to help this organization move forward offensively, 
Damian, Damian Lillard goes to the execs, or his representation went to the execs and said, listen, I want to be traded. This is the same guy last year that received the biggest contract in NBA history for two years. An organization that was willing to put everything into him as a 33-year-old. Dame had previously listed the Heat and the Nets as two teams he would be interested in playing for. But the Heat would be his top choice. I don't know why he wants to go to the Nets. But nevertheless, we understand why he wants to go to the Heat. The Heat appear to be the favorites right now. As there is talks and potential three-team trade with the Nets and the Blazers and maybe the Knicks. We've heard other teams involved with this trade. Ben Simmons and Tyler Hero would be involved in the trade scenario. Along with Kyle Lowry as a possible contract to be traded in this respectable trade. Wojnowski reports that the Trailblazers have not been impressed with the Heat's initial trade offers so far. The Celtics, Clippers, Timberwolves, and Pelicans have also reached out about Damian Lillard, who does not have a no-trade clause. We sit here today, and there's only one player in the NBA that had a no-trade clause. And that's the same player that was traded to that clown show in Phoenix. And that was Bradley Beal. And he screwed the Wizards. Damian Lillard is not going to screw the Portland Trailblazers. Or did he? Because by giving him that contract... And, and really rest assuring that he was going to be here for two years. They have to find two or even one team to match out the talent and the money to make this trade. And that doesn't make it any easier for a Portland Trailblazer team that has depended on this guy for the last 10 seasons. He is a fantastic talent. We all know it. He averaged over 30 points last year. He was everything to the Portland Trailblazers, even though Portland really didn't do anything throughout the season. They're a team that looks like they're trying to rebuild, but they want to rebuild with Damian Lillard. They want to make Damian Lillard the future, or really for the next three to four years, as long as he could play the face of the organization until he's ready to retire. And right now, he don't want to be there. And we've seen this before. At the age of 32, 33, we've seen players push their way out. Another guy that's trying to force his way out, James Harden. Another guy that just opted into his $35.6 million contract with the 76ers. But now, he and the organization will look to seek a trade partner. And we all know about the Knicks... And we all know about the Clippers, and, and more than likely, that's where he's heading, the Clippers, because I don't think the Knicks are willing to give up the prospects to land a ball hog like James Harden. Harden has hinted that he wanted to return to the Rockets, but the Rockets are more interested 
in bringing Fred Van Vliet. Van Vliet. But by the way, he did. And he went and he did sign with the Houston Rockets this weekend. To the Dylan Brooks. That's right. So the two players that the Rockets wanted, Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks, both went to the young Houston Rockets team. Harden is 34 years old, entering his 15th year in the NBA. And he loves the party, by the way. He was at the Rubin party, by the way. Harden averaged 21 points per game, 6.1 rebounds per game, and a league-leading 10.7 assists per game. Here's the problem right now with the NBA. And we've been talking about this, Speedy. We've talked to a ton of analysts. The NBA is run by the players. The players have made and have been pushing the decision-making of many different organizations they play for. And one of the main reasons is LeBron James because he has been the voice of the NBA since he's really come into the NBA and taken over the league by storm. It's never worked, the trifecta team, except with LeBron James. These rebuilt teams, these star-powered teams, it never works. It hasn't worked, except with LeBron James. And now we see guys like Damian Lillard, I'm not going to win in Portland. Send me to the heat. I want my guys not to be traded. The Jimmy Butlers of the world. Those type of players, he wants to still be there because he wants to play with those players because he has the best chance to win in Miami. James Harden, he doesn't care if he wins or loses. He doesn't. He's never won, and he never will win. And you know why? Because he's a me player. He's always been that. He forced his way out of Houston. He wanted to go to the Nets. He wanted to play with two clowns. He goes over there and he plays, what, 30 games in three years or two years? He wants to get traded. He gets traded to the 76ers. He wants to play there with all his heart. He wants to play in the, the, a place like brotherly love or whatever the hell he said at his press conference. He wants to be there for the rest of his career. Now all of a sudden, he's there for what? Two seasons, gets an extension, and says, you know what? <laughs> I don't want to be here anymore. I want to go back to Houston. Meanwhile, he ran himself out of there. Or, you know what? I I want to go to the Clippers or the Knicks. That's where I want to go. I know the Knicks are not a stupid organization anymore. They have been. Over the years, they've been a silly, stupid organization. They go after stars when they're practically done with their careers. And I love Amari Stoudemire, but Amari Stoudemire's knee, even at the age of 29 when the Knicks signed him, he was not the same player that he was with Phoenix. But he drew Carmelo Anthony in the prime of his career at the age of 28, 29 years old, almost 30. It helped bring in a new star, a superstar. Did it help them win? No, it didn't. Because, again, the Knicks have brought in guys like Carmelo Anthony, 
and other factors of the league over the last couple of years that are me players. And me players don't win championships, Petey. No, they do not. And James Harden is the best equivalent of that because James Harden's playoff career has been absolutely abysmal. Yeah, he was a good sixth man with the OKC Thunder, and he was fine when he wasn't the primary option. He might have had a good year, maybe a round or two with Houston, but beyond that, he's just been god-awful in the playoffs. Now, Damian Lillard has been a pretty good playoff player in his career so far in on teams that weren't overly loaded. He had LaMarcus Aldridge and CJ McCollum at one point, but again, Aldridge left pretty quickly. He went to go sign big money with the Spurs, and it was really Lillard and McCollum doing everything with that team and still got to the Western Conference final. So two very different situations. I think Damian Lillard finally has a spot that he wants to go to, which was the Miami Heat. I think he was looking for that team where he felt like he was the missing piece and really there weren't any of those available like the last two years when Damian Lillard's trade rumors initially were there. James Harden just being James Harden. He's just uh, saying, all right, I'm going to stay here for two years and then I'm going to force my way out if something goddamn goes wrong again, which it seems like it already is. Doc Rivers fired, Nick Nurse coming in, Joel Embiid's not happy, and all of a sudden James Harden wants out again. And first of all, Snug, I'm reading all the stupid things that you post because you like to attack me in every kind away you're saying that dame gave them plenty of time really did he really he wasn't slow on signing that contract last year when he got 120 million was he that made him the highest paid nba player in nba history okay did he give him play plenty of time he said last year before he signed that contract that he wanted to be a trailblazer for life do we remember three years ago when he wanted to be traded to the knicks do we remember that I don't forget that because I'm a Knicks fan. He tried to force his way out at one point. And then he came out and with the USA team, he came out. Remember that? He was there. They were interviewing him. He says, I never said anything of a sort. I don't want to leave Portland. I don't want to go anywhere. I want to be a Portland trailblazer for life. And then in the offseason, he signs that that two-year extension. After there were so many people from his team saying that he wants out, he wants to go to a big city, he wants to go to New York. And he did say that. Now, all of a sudden, he doesn't want to go to the Knicks, but the Knicks don't want him. You know why? Because they got Jalen Brunson, and he sees that. He wants to go to teams that could use somebody like him, like the Nets, an up-and-coming young team that looks like, hey, maybe with the trades that they made for a guy like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, maybe those draft picks in the next year or two could turn into something. And also, when you look at Miami Heat, they were all the way to the finals last year. They ran right through the Eastern Conference. They went all the way there. And the only reason why they didn't win or they didn't compete was because they played a better Denver team that had more offense and they couldn't provide the offense to defeat the Denver Nuggets. And you can't have offense that bad and be able to trust yourself to win a championship that way. Even in the NBA that are t- uh, more, de- uh, like if you have a more defensive team, you still need at least a league average offense. We've seen the Spurs have that kind of thing where their offense is ranked 16th as a team, but they still can win with their top defense. And Miami had a top defense that year. They were top three, but their offense was just so streaky, so abysmal and very reliant on the three at certain points too, without a lot of great playmakers that could create their own shot too, which Damian Lillard is very known to do as well. So he He's going to be somebody, if he does end up going there, that'll help space the floor very well. I, I think they'll be fine losing Hero, even losing Gabe Vincent, too. I think they'll find somebody else. They always do. Pat Riley drops very well, finds all these undrafted guys, and makes it work. So I don't, I'm not worried about that if they end up losing Tyler Hero. The reason why the Trailblazers weren't relevant last year, and I think last year they won, 
I, I think it was 27 games. And this past year, they won 30-something games. The year before that, they were 42-30. and 30. Right. They haven't been relevant for two years. And the reason why they haven't been relevant for two years was injuries. They traded C.J. McCollum. They were trying to figure out on what they need to do to build around Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard said that he wanted to be there for the rest of his career. He said that last year when he signed that contract. Or he shouldn't have even signed it. He would have been an unrestricted free agent this year. He could have went anywhere he wanted. And he could have gotten more money somewhere else. So why? Portland is in the Western Conference right now. And the Western Conference is really four to five teams deep. Look at L.A. Look at the Lakers. Look how they snuck in. What were they? The 10th seed? They were the 7th seed. I'm sorry. The 7th <laughs> seed. They were, they were, they were Who was the 10th seed? Yeah, they were, uh 10th seed was the Thunder. The Thunder. And they snuck into the playoffs too. And they're a pretty good young team. What was the snuck, what was the what was the Thunder's record this year? I, I want to say 43 and 39 or something like that. It wasn't great. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. The Thunder right this year they were 40 and 42. Oh wow, they're even worse. Okay. Wow, they're under 500. You look at the relevance of what the Portland Trailblazers have been two years for the last two years, it hasn't been good. It hasn't. But Damian Lillard came out and said that he wants to stay here. And he had one more year left on his contract. Why not play his one year off on that contract and then become an unrestricted free agent? You know why? Here's the reason why. Damian Lillard is not getting any younger. And he believes that if he gets traded to the Nets, if he goes to the Nets, he's not winning anything. Hmm. Or going to the Heat, he has a chance to compete in the Eastern Conference. But there are other teams that have gotten better in the Eastern Conference and gotten worse. And even with Miami trading Tyler Hero and draft picks and you bring in Damian Lillard, is Damian Lillard the guy that's going to help them get over the hump? Is he going to become a me player when he goes over there to Miami with Jimmy Butler there? I question this whole thing with the NBA and why these players can decide on where they want to go and really choose, okay, I have two teams, this is where I want to go, trade me to one of them or I don't want to be traded. If I was a team and I had a no-trade, if there was no no-trade clause with any of these players, I'm sending them wherever I want. If this team is going to give me more, I'm sending you there. Then you put push your way out of that, that team. If, I, if I'm going to get more from the Sacramento Kings, I am going to trade you to the Sacramento Kings. Snug, snug to keep dreaming. That's not going to happen. Davia Lillard is not going to be traded to the Sacramento Kings. I'm just saying. I don't understand this. These players, and you know what's crazy about this? Portland is going to oblige him. James Harden, nobody gives a crap about. Nobody cares. And I'll tell you why nobody cares about James Harden. Because everywhere James Harden has gone, just like Kyrie Irving, just like Kevin Durant, besides Golden State Warriors, because there were three superstars there, and all he was was another piece, everywhere those players have gone, they have failed. And they've made the teams worse. So who cares about James Harden? We don't know what Damian Lillard's going to be when he goes to the Heat or he goes to the Clippers, if he goes to the Knicks, if he goes to the Nets. We don't know because he's never been anywhere but the Portland Trailblazers.
And again, you look at somebody that you people are going to knock him now because he's requesting a trade, but he's actually one of the few that have stayed loyal amidst all that too. Of all these players jumping around left and right that are, throughout the NBA since, like you were saying, LeBron kind of popularized it more. I know the Celtics did it first, fine, but the LeBron popularized it. Then these his quote unquote buddies did it, and then uh, now everyone's doing it. Kevin Durant's doing it three times in five years. James Harden's doing it three times in five years, and who knows what was going on with Kyrie Irving? But still, and and that's why I sit here, and we've had. How many basketball analysts on this show in the last couple of weeks? And some people agreed with me, and others didn't. But I will say this. The NBA needs to figure out some kind of rule that if they don't have a no-trade clause, and why would any NBA team decide to put a no-trade clause on a player, and I know the Wizards did, but no team. Look at Kevin Garnett. Look at how many players over the years have had a no-trade clause. Carmelo Anthony. He had a no-trade clause with the New York Knicks. That was the deal with his second deal. It was a no-trade clause with Carmelo Anthony. That means the Knicks couldn't trade him wherever they wanted because they had to go to him, and he had to say if they're willing to trade him, and he wants to be traded, they had to go to him and say, listen, we're we're looking at these two or three other teams. Are you interested in any of those teams to be traded to? That's why Bradley Beal was an absolute bargain for Phoenix. Because they gave up nothing for him. And now you look at Damian Lillard. He doesn't have a no-trade clause. And if I was Portland, I'd send him, I'd send him to the worst team in the NBA if I'm going to get a lot back for him. I don't give a crap. If you're willing to leave my organization... And you told me you want to be a trailblazer for life last year when we paid you $120 million and made you the highest paid NBA player in NBA history. And now all of a sudden after the first year and you choked. You did. You had a chance to make the playoffs. The last, what was it, five weeks, you fell apart. Your organization just couldn't keep it together. And you had a tra- chance because you were only, what, seven games out of a playoff spot? All it took was a couple more wins against some of the crappiest teams you lost against this year. I remember the Lakers had to like get a late, late season surge to even get in, too. They were 11th for a while. They're better than the Lakers. The Lakers are garbage. Anthony Davis is a shell of himself. And LeBron James, fantastic player. They're not winning with that team. They have some good young players, and Reed. I, I, did he sign somewhere else? Yeah, no, Reeves went back to the Lakers. Uh, okay, so and they also got Gabe Vincent from the Miami Heat. Okay, so there you go. I, I sit here today, and I, I I don't know what Gabe Vincent is because he was really an additional player that they. I think he was a G League player. He was an undrafted player. He went to yeah, he was an undrafted guy out of like UC Santa Barbara or something like that, and he just did well enough in the playoffs just to destroy the Knicks and the Celtics. And he played well, and he got his contract, and he goes to the Lakers, and he'll probably be a dud. But I can't sit here and say, hey, you know what? This is a this is a good move. This was a great move, because honestly, it isn't. And I can't say say here to, or sit here today and say that if I was the Portland Trailblazers and I'm talking to Damian Lillard and his agent and say, you know, you want to go to the Nets, you want to go to the Heat, but we're not getting any offers that are value value to us to make that trade. We're not trading you. He could sit out all season. He could say, you know what, I'm not playing. 
And that will force the hand and make them trade him. And then if they trade him to the Spurs or somebody like that, he'll tell them he doesn't want to play. And one way or another, he will push his way to any of the teams he wants to play for. You know why? Because this is the NBA. And the players run the NBA. And I don't want to hear about Chris Paul. He's in charge of the Players Union. I don't want to hear about anybody speaking. And the Players Union is so pissed off about what they did, what the NBA did to John Morant, which I think he should have gotten worse. The Players Union should just shut their mouths because, honestly, you're making millions and millions of dollars. You're getting paid a ton of money. And I'm not questioning how much money you should or should not getting, should or should not get paid. But I will say something. If you don't have a no trade clause and it's not valued in your contract, <laughs> you shouldn't have any word or say on where you go. And that's, that's just my opinion. If Damian Lillard cared so much, he, when he made that contract and he signed that contract with the Portland Trailblazers last year, he should have made sure that there was a no trade clause. But he didn't. You know why? Because he told them, and the Trailblazers believed, that he was going to be a Trailblazer for life. And it's still going to make him stuck in a way, because if they don't want to take a deal from Pat Riley, who Pat Riley is very stingy, he might try to fleece them, and being they're not adding Bam Adebayo in the deal, maybe it looks like that's the path that Pat Riley is taking, that's going to make it harder for any other team to get the same value too, because you just don't know if he's going to stay there either. Now, again, CJ McCollum's with the Pelicans, maybe he does stay there if he goes there. The other teams, you said the Timberwolves, probably not. I, I can't imagine him staying there if that he were to go over there. The Clippers, I guess there's a possibility with a big room for Harden if they don't get Harden then they go for Dame, I don't know. And then the uh, uh, and the Celtics, I guess he would too, but still, there's no guarantees. The big names that decided to part ways with their their teams and their organization: Fred Van Vliet went to from Toronto to Houston. Kyrie Irving stayed with Dallas. I'm not shocked about that. He got 41 million dollars from Dallas. I, I yeah, makes no sense. Uh, Kyle Kuzma stays with Washington. Surprised about that. 102 million. I expect him to be traded still. Chris Middleton stays with Milwaukee, 102 million, so he's making a pretty pretty good sum of money over there uh, with Milwaukee. Uh, Dylan Brooks, Memphis to Houston. I'm just looking at some of the big names and, and trying to trying to <laughs> go through. Hated so much that he ended up getting stashed with the Rockets. <laughs> Uh, Dante DiVincenzo, which uh, I know Josh absolutely adored and loved, and he thought he fit like a glove with the Knicks, goes from Golden State to the New York Knicks for $15 million. I think that was a good deal from the Knicks, and, yeah. and maybe he's a good find because we saw with Jalen Brunson he was a good find. The Knicks have brought players to this team. Uh, Josh Hart was a good find. And, uh, also another guy from Villanova. Now you have three guys from Villanova uh, that know each other pretty well. And and maybe that's what the Knicks are trying to do, bring players that know each other so they can run all their offense through Jalen Brunson, which they did in Villanova. Maybe they'll hire Jay Wright as an assistant coach at this rate. <laughs> Brooke Lopez obviously stays with Milwaukee, gets a $48 million contract extension. So I was surprised about that because I thought he could have went to one of those teams like Phoenix and maybe right. uh, goes over there pick and roll or uh, maybe uh, where Chris Paul went. And uh, another guy that could help in the pick and roll uh, with Chris Paul. So 
with Golden State. That would be that would have been a great fit. That yeah. makes a lot of sense because the Warriors, besides Kevon Looney, badly needed rebounding in the playoffs mm-hmm. too. And Lopez helps out with that. D'Angelo Russell signs an extension with the Lakers for thirty-seven million. Not surprised. Uh, Gabe Vincent from Miami to L.A. Karis Levert stays with Cleveland, thirty-two million. That was a pretty nice contract. Yes. I, I like Karis Levert. Uh, I'm surprised a lot of other teams wouldn't give him an offer or or, or extend him with a bigger contract. So, uh, yeah, Dennis uh, Schroeder goes from L.A. to Toronto. Uh, Dennis Schroeder is a good additional backup point guard. He's not a starting point guard when he was drafted. I think from Atlanta, right? Yes, he was Jeff Teague's backup there, and yes. he's bumped around several other teams since. Reggie Jackson signs back with Denver. Uh, that's a good move mm-hmm. for him because uh, Denver is going to be one of the favorites. Seth Curry goes from Brooklyn to Dallas for $9.5 million. So uh, Miles Bridges, uh, which everybody was talking about, Charlotte gives him a one-year deal worth about $7 million, and they're going to trade him. That's probably what's going to happen. Uh, Russell Westbrook signs an extension for two years, $7 million. He's done. Kevin Love signs an extension for two years, $7 million with Miami. So, uh, and, and obviously Eric Gordon goes from L.A., to Phoenix and Derek Rose for all the Nick fans that love him goes to Memphis goes back home well he's not he's from Chicago but he right. played he played in Memphis in college and uh he wants to go to a team and he's backing up John Morant might have a, a chance to start this year um as uh John Morant will be, be missing at least 25 games in the beginning of the season well they get to they get to go for the depth start of John Morant Marcus Smart and Derek Rose what a great combo we're still waiting for our first guest uh Devin Williams have you heard from Speedy I have not I have right. texted him many times I don't know all right we'll see what happens I know I know he said his birthday was tomorrow I, oh. so that's why he wanted to come on today but so maybe he got sidetracked with something there. All know. right. Well, it's a uh, happy birthday to Devin. How old yes. is he? 23? Uh, he's turning 23 tomorrow. That's, right. uh, well, hopefully we get Devin on. Uh, we uh, are waiting for you, Devin. So whenever you want to come into this, the screen, uh, we'll put you through and uh, we'll do a quick interview with you. So uh, Devin Williams, an undrafted free agent, signed with the Ravens last year. And also play for Oregon if you if you don't remember him with the Ravens he didn't play much with the Ravens no I think he got cut during uh, during training camp yes. I think because he had yes. an injury issue uh, same kind of thing I don't think I don't think he got cut but uh, Charlie Kohler who we had on the show too uh, he didn't play all year he was on the all, all IR he had a sports hernia surgery so he didn't get to play with them but he's still on the roster for the Ravens mm-hmm. so we're we're still waiting for him to join us but uh, the NBA is is going is going crazy right now and. If you're an NBA fan, I would be going crazy with this Damian Lillard story because I am a big Damian Lillard fan. I really like Damian Lillard. And I was very surprised when I heard that I, the story came out, what, about a week ago? It was a Wednesday. I think it was last Wednesday when the story hit and Woj came out and said that he reached out to the – well, his agent reached out to the executives of Portland and said that he wants to move on. He wants to be traded. And that's the same guy that said he wants to be a trailblazer for life last year when he signs his extension. And it's the same organization that said they wanted to trade that. the number three overall pick to help help him stay there, and they didn't do that either. So No, they did exactly what he wanted. That's what they did. And now they're going into the season, if they trade Damian Lillard, as a rebuilding team now. Because let's say this season's a better season than last year, and they sneak into the playoffs. They're not going to win anything, but they sneak into the playoffs. They still have the face of the organization still there. And I understand he wants to go to a team that has a chance to win. 
But Miami had a great run this past year. They really did. If Damian Lillard goes there, does that, does that change everything for Miami? Do they become more of an offensive team than a defensive team? Because Damian Lillard is not a good defensive player. He's okay. He's not an elite defender at the point guard position. No, he's actually like below average. So you become more of an offensive player at that point guard position. Even Kyle Lowry, who is not a top-end defender, he's a better defender than Damian Lillard. Now, he's not the same player. And Kyle Lowry's what, 36 years old? Yeah. He's old. And the contract that they gave him last year was just ridiculous. Three years worth about, I don't know, 40, 50 million. It was ridiculous. Kyle Lowry's not worth that money, and that's why they're trying to move him in this three-team trade, uh, which would send him somewhere and Tyler Hero somewhere to bring him in because he wants to play with Bam Adebayo. That's the only reason why he wants – he doesn't want to play with Jimmy. He wants to play with Bam. Right. It's not one of the scenarios where the, the Trailblazers would have to take on, like, Kyle Lowry and Ben Simmons' contract, which might be the two worst of the NBA right now. Yeah. I, I, I just don't understand it. it. It throws me off the way the NBA and, and really these NBA players are trying to negotiate their deals with the, the NBA and the ownerships uh, and the owners around the league. And I will say this. The NFL, the NHL, and the MLB. They're run, and I'll say it again, they're run by the owners. Especially MLB, they're so bad. But the the NBA, for some reason, lets these players decide on where they want to go, what they want to do, what kind of contracts they're going to get, put a no-trade clause in there, I'm not signing the contract. It's ridiculous. I'm paying you $150, I'm sorry, $120 million for two years. To play for my team, making you the highest paid player in NBA history. Why are you sitting here and complaining? That's what I'm saying. And what is he saying, right? You can't blame the players if the owners are going to be soft. I I will say this. The NBA players are telling you that they run the league. And because of and it really stems from the commissioner. Because if the commissioner wanted to put his footprint on the league, he would have suspended John Moran for 50 games. That would have set everything straight on who runs the league. But now everybody is going to sit here and they're going to say, he doesn't run the league. We run the league. The players' union runs the league. The players' union was pissed off that, they only, that, that he had 25 games, that John Moran got 25 games. They don't realize carrying a gun, a loaded gun, and doing the things that he did and making the NBA look stupid. The young fans that watch the league and watch the games. And that, and I've said this over and over and over and over and over and over again in, in sports. It's not about the teams anymore. Listen, Snug, Jeff, all you guys out there, we grew up fans of teams, not fans of players. That's the truth. When we grew up in our time in the 90s, and the early 2000s, we were into the teams and the teams that we root for as we grew up. We didn't care about the players. The play, if the players were on our team, we liked this guy. Oh, he plays for the – like I loved Tim Duncan. I loved him. Loved him. I loved his game. I loved everything about him. 
his leadership skills, everything. Came from Wake Forest, went to, drafted by the Spurs as the number one pick. They got lucky to get him as they were set up to get the number 10 pick. Somehow it fell to them at number one. Tim Duncan was drafted. And they win a couple of well, five titles with him. I hated the Spurs, but I loved him. I didn't wear a Tim Duncan jersey. No. Now you have people that says, uh, say that they're, hey, I'm a Net fan. But I'm wearing a Golden State Warriors jersey with Steph Curry's name on it because I love him. He's my favorite player. And I won't be upset if Golden State plays the Nets in the finals because I would. Steph Curry is on the Golden State Warriors. So it's a win-win for me. If Golden State wins, I win. And if the Nets win, I win. That's not the way we grew up as sports fans. It all depends on who is on your fantasy team, too. You could root for that as well. I'm just speaking the truth here. For all you fans out there that sit here, and we could get into and We're going to get into some baseball because there's a couple of things I want to get into today because we, I didn't mention it in my monologue in the beginning of the show with some of the topics we want to get into. But uh, a lot of people believe that Aaron Judge could be out for the season, that this ligament in his foot could end his season. He spoke out this weekend after one of the games, and they asked him, how did his foot feel? And he said some interesting stuff, and we'll, we'll get into that in just a few moments, because it looks like we're not going to get uh, Devin Williams on the show. Uh, we want to apologize for all the fans. I know Devin is, you know, it's his birthday, so I, I understand that. But, you know, uh, hopefully we get Devin on the show either uh, next week or the week after, we'll, we'll, we hope. But, uh Happy birthday to Devin, uh, 23 years old. And uh, we will have our our friend Josh Towers on at 8 o'clock. He will definitely be on the show. But I'm going to say this fairly with the NBA. And I'm going to close out with the NBA for the rest of the show because I don't want to talk about this anymore. We've been speaking about this for the last 40 minutes. Okay? The NBA needs to figure this out. When this CBA comes up again, and I think that's, I think in another four years, the NBA ownership and the commissioner need to sit down together and figure out how they can take control of this league again. Because if they don't, it's going to get worse. Look at the world. Look what's going on in the world. We're learning that in professional sports. I'm not going to get into politics and religion or any of that stuff. That's not what I do on this show. But look what's going on in the world. Same thing with sports. When you give a little piece and a voice to any of these players, they should have a voice, but not a voice of control. And as soon as LeBron decided to take his voice to that next level, It has ruined the game. Michael Jordan never did it. He never did it. As a matter of fact, on the last dance, when they interviewed Michael Jordan, they said, why didn't you speak more? Why didn't you say anything about certain things that were going on in the league? And he said, listen, I I make sure that my body is healthy and I could play 82 games in a season because people pay good money to come and watch me play. Have you ever heard LeBron James say that? (laughs) Have you heard any time in any place Kyrie Irving ever say that? 
No. You know why? Because they've become me players. It's become a full end business. And the league and the world has changed because of it. Yeah, and you look at that generation of players, too, in particular. I mean, LeBron was a little older, but, again, his peak years were around that time that all these young point guards broke out, too, and a lot of those, the ones that have the egos, too. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, we talked about already, and, again, we've seen a lot more of them over the years, too. And we're seeing a lot of these younger players now, these younger superstars, not have that same level of it. I know people were making a big deal with Giannis and the the posts that he made this year and stuff like that, but he's always been kind of a more humble-type superstar. Nikola Jokic, best player in the league, very humble superstar. Like, hopefully that's a good trend that's going in the other direction for the NBA because these players that were drafted in the early 2010s, a lot of them, guys like Bradley Beal, like you, we were talking about before, Kyrie Irving Big, they're all runs that were forcing themselves out and trying to team up together, and we're not seeing that as much with these younger players, luckily. You know, Aaron Judge over the weekend gave an update on his foot injury, and if you don't remember what happened to him, Uh, He was playing a couple of games in L.A., his home place. He grew up a San Francisco Giants fan, but uh, he always went to a Dodger Dodger games. He spoke about it. Uh, His father, you know, and and watch the games, watch the baseball games. But he said some very interesting things yesterday that has you worried if you're a Yankee fan. He says yesterday when they asked him about his foot, he says it doesn't feel great. Judge said on Tuesday, on both walking and hitting off the tee before the Yankees' 8-4 win over the Orioles in the Bronx. I don't think it will ever feel normal. I can move around pretty well, but any injury, it can bother you for a year, two years, three years. You never know what it's going to feel like. When you hear that from Aaron Judge saying that he doesn't believe it'll ever feel great again. And it's going to take one, two, three years. He just signed a nine-year deal with the New York Yankees. How many good years does Aaron Judge have left? Four? Maybe? A power hitter, 280 pounds? With all that weight on his knees, his legs? If he's talking about... And now everybody's talking about making a move for Otani. Okay? And I know that's, you know, if he becomes available, I know the Yankees will be in the mix for him. Of course. They will. Especially if Aaron Judge doesn't come back this year. They will be in the mix for him. That doesn't mean they're going to be able to keep him in the offseason because he might want to go somewhere else. If the Yankees decide to make this trade, if it ever happens, if he becomes available, which right now the Angels are still a playoff-bound team. So he might just stay with the Angels for this year, and then decide what he's doing in the offseason and free agency. But I will say this. When you hear these words, it's definitely alarming. And, it, and it's so interesting because he talking, he's talking about surgery right now. And he says that he will not know until the second half of the season. He's not making any drastic predictions on what's going to happen in the second half of the season. But when he is talking about his toe, his foot, not going to be the same maybe forever, it's telling you that he's going to need surgery. 
Yeah, and you initially you're thinking like he's going to come back in a couple of weeks. It's just a toe injury. We've seen that linger a lot with football players, and they usually either play through it or they'll only miss one game. This is now a foot going onto it. That's going to make it a lot harder to be able to go long term and for the longevity that you want out of Aaron Judge, because especially for that nine year contract, I mean, how much of it is going to be tradable at that point if he has all those injury issues too? Is going to be a big deal because a foot injury is a lot different than a toe injury. Who do we have, Jeff? Jeff, what's up? You Yankees fans have nothing to worry about at all. Zero to worry about. That Yankees training staff is so good at working with their players that he'll be back in no time. (laughs) Are you trying to mock the Yankees training staff? I am not trying to mock the Yankees training staff at all. They did a wonderful job healing Severino in three years from his shoulder injury. That was a terrific comeback. Uh, They're working miracles right now with their $36 million man, Carlos Rodon. And I have all the faith in the world that this big toe injury for Aaron Judge, it won't keep him out more than two seasons. He'll be right back. And yet they still have a better training staff than the Mets do, which isn't saying much. What he's probably waiting for is the pain to be tolerable to come back because he is going to play with a hurt toe no matter what this season. He is probably going to need surgery. Now, a doctor, Dr. Spencer Stein, who has seen these kind of injuries, if he can hit and run, which he has been doing, or jog, they're saying, he's saying that it's not fully torn. So it's not, it's a partial tear, which means he could play on it. If it slowly heals. Why would you want him to? I, I wouldn't either. I would probably end the season, but... Aaron yes, Judge is pack it in, get the surgery now, and hit the ground. First of all, like let's just have a moment of honesty here for one second. Are the Yankees winning anything no, this year? I don't think Pro- so. Probably, no. Pro- probably not. Right? Probably not. No. Okay. So why not just play it safe, get the surgery now, pack it in. Your whole team is hurt because they stink. That training staff is just a miracle. Well, work. they don't God stink, Jeff. Any team that's eight or nine games over 500 does not stink. Okay? Dude, every team in the AL East is over 500. Doesn't mean they're Because it's the hardest division to play in, and they're competing against one another. If you're eight or nine games over 500, Jeff, that's pretty damn and good. First of all, the competing against each other thing would, would be a reason to be under 500. Even the last place Red Sox are over 500. It's because the rest of the league stinks. The Rays are killing people. The Baltimore Orioles have come out of nowhere to stuff everyone in a Really? Locker. The Yankees won the series this weekend. Terrific. They won a series. The Yankees Good beat them that. in a series. And they're only ahead oh, of the Yankees. The, they're I'll only ahead of the then. Yankees in two games. Oh. Two oh, okay. games. Well, then, uh, then the Red Sox. The Yankees are seven again. and three in their last ten games, well, and your Baltimore well, Orioles are four and six. And they've lost two well, games in a row. Well, well, Come on, Jeff. Come on. You want to well, go then, at it? Let's go then, at it. Because you you're, you're saying the Yankees stink. Go ahead. Let's then, hear it. Then the Red Sox are the best team in the division because they swept the Yankees one time this year. Who cares well, if they, they swept the Yankees? The Yankees could have been cold that weekend. What does that mean? But you're you're going all the Yankees want to. But you're you, but you're series. saying that the Yankees can't win right now with the team that they no, have they in the roster. They, they have. No, they won't. They won't. Really? They won't. How yeah, many no, teams? How no, many teams? Rodon. Hold on. How many teams right now in the American League have a better record than the Yankees? How many? Three. Three teams. Three teams. Three. Out of how three? many teams? Is it, is it three? Fifteen teams. It three? It's three. <clears throat> 
Right, but that, right, but that also doesn't count the National League. I mean, the Braves are on fire. I'm not talking about the National League because they're not right, meeting but, anybody in the National League unless they go to the World Series, and I don't believe the right, Yankees but, are going there. Right, but with, but with Rodon hurt and Judge hurt, you're probably not set up. But Rodon, the, to, they're, they're saying Rodon will be back at the end of July. I know. I, but yeah, that's what they're saying. They're saying that he's, he's getting better, that he's throwing the ball. Well, working with that wonderful training staff, I'm sure he is coming right back. I'm that work for Severino. But, but that's what I'm saying, ball. Jeff. I'm saying right now, let's say the Yankees decide to pack it in with Aaron Judge, and they tell him, you got, and, and then they, they go at the, tra- at the trading deadline, you say, you know what? We can make a move for Otani. We can make a move for this guy. We can add this bat in the middle of our lineup. He's not Aaron Judge, but hey, he's a pretty good bat. And They're we put him in. For I'm not saying Otani. I'm just mentioning a name. Whoever becomes available. I, I mention Otani because there are stories coming out that if he becomes available, the Yankees will be interested. So to sit here and say that they won't be doesn't mean that they won't. And again, it's not. I'm not even mentioning Otani. Let's bring in. You did twice. I, I, I'm not even. I'm taking it out of the the sector of what we're talking about. Let's talk about whoever becomes available. One of these teams decide. Hey, you know what? We're not making the playoffs. A uh, Paul Goldschmidt. Maybe he becomes available. Maybe Nolan Arenado. He becomes available. They need a third baseman. Maybe they do that. Maybe they say, you know what? He almost was a Yankee. <laughs> Maybe the Yankees say, you know what, we'll make a move with uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. Because guess what? They made a move last year, and they well, two years ago, and they added Bader. And Bader's been pretty good with the Yankees when he does play. Know, when he does I play. Well, the Yankees every year win the trading deadline. Didn't they win it last year with the kid from Oakland? Listen, really li- li- listen, Jeff. I know what you're going to do, and I'm not sticking up for everything the Yankees have done. Because the Yankees have done some stupid things. We no, all know this. Deadline. No, they didn't. And stop with you, your crap. Uh, you immediately declared that. When really? Even when Swan yeah, really? Go back and listen when, to that Yes. The when they made that trade, nobody knew that, that he was as injured as he was. They traded him, and he had a hurt shoulder. Nobody knew that. And, it, it, and it's just unbelievable. And his, and his what is, is what is his name? They have a great track record. His aunt died or something like that? Right. And he, <laughs> and he missed a couple of games, and it, it, it affected his juju for the season? Again, you you look at and I, I'm not going with Frankie Montas and everybody. I'm not going with what the Yankees did last year. I'm talking about now. And Brian Cashman, say whatever you want. He's not very good at finding pitchers, but we have seen him bring players in, and uh, it's worked at the trade deadline. He'll find players, maybe players that didn't work over there in St. Louis or Cincinnati or Atlanta. He brings them to the Yankees and they start hitting. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen either, but the Yankees are still in a playoff spot. They're in a playoff position. Who's to say that Brian Cashman doesn't make a trade? He probably will. They do every year. They get some weird ancillary piece every year, so they probably will make a trade. I mean, weird? They brought in Bader. Bader was the best offensive player they had in the playoffs last year. Right. When was the last time they? But you you just were mentioning, and and I'm going off of what you mentioned. You just mentioned like Goldschmidt or mm-hmm. Arenado. When was the last time at the trade deadline they made a move like that? Because it's not they they get the Frankie Montas and the Baders, and they try to make like a sneaky good move. They never end up getting the guy that's like the big split. Like even even last year 
when you declared the Yankees the winner, and the Yankees got Frankie Montas. Well, the Padres got Soto, and that still wasn't good enough. Like they're they're not the team that gets Soto at the trading. First of all, we like, all said the like, Padres were the not. winners. The Padres. We all yeah, said they, the Yes, yes, we did. You get Juan Soto. Don't tell me I didn't think the Padres didn't win the trade deadline. We did. Oh, we I'm talked gonna go about it. I'm gonna go back go ahead, and you do it. Show. They also had, what's his name again? The relief pitcher. Hater. A hater. He, they absolutely did win the trade deadline last year. Stop it, Jeff. I said the Yankees did very well adding Frankie Montas. But nobody oh, okay. thought that Frankie Montas wasn't 100% healthy. This guy was a Cy Young candidate two years before. He was the sixth or fifth best pitcher in baseball. And now all of a sudden, because he wasn't hurt, he was hurt, and because of his and situation, he wasn't the same player. And we'll see what happens at the end of the season when he comes back. But it's also not hard to be the fifth or sixth best pitcher in baseball when you pitch in that park. You know what I'm saying? Like when you pitch in Oakland, look at what happens in Oakland. Even wife beaters can pitch perfect <laughs> games in Oakland. Here we go again. And by the way, uh, there, you know, the Yankee, one of the Yankee players, uh, and Jimmy Cordero was suspended. Under the MLB domestic violence policy, he is suspended for the season. Don't worry, don't worry. He'll be back playing for the Yankees. You guys, the no, Yankees he's out for the. Of the Yankees baseball. will not bring him back, even though Aaron Judge was very upset about it. He he spoke, um, you know, throughout the season on how important Jimmy Cordero has been in the locker room. He was not happy to hear about this. He actually came out on social media and and spoke about it. So, uh, but Jeff. Call back a little bit later. You, you, you think Aaron Judge was upset about it? Wait till you find out what Cordero's wife felt about it. Oh. Jeez, I know. Goodbye, but Judge Jeff. felt bad, so that's call back really later, matters. Jeff. We got to get know, a guest on. I know. If get beat up. Later, Goodbye, Jeff. Bad, so Goodbye. Good Goodbye, Jeff. Oh my God! Please, hey. Jesus. I I love the guy. I, I and I he hates the Yankees. Oh my God! Even with me, and I know everybody thinks because I'm a Yankee fan, I do a radio show. I'm going to stick up for the Yankees. I will give the Yankees crap, but to say that the Yankees have not played well with garbage in their lineup, and it's garbage. It is absolute garbage in their lineup, and they're still they they won the series against Baltimore this weekend. And Baltimore, oh, they're playing such great baseball. They're four and six in their last ten games, as good as Baltimore has played all season long. They've played like crap the last ten games. But anyways, when we come back, we will get into baseball with this special guest. We've had him on the show a couple of times. Happy to have him on again. We'll be talking to former Orioles, Blue Jays, and Yankees pitcher Josh Towers here on the Sports Lab House. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouths. 631-672-3108 is the number. Jeff got me so angry. I, I, I'm just tired. I'm tired of arguing with this guy about the Yankees. I really am. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Sports Loud Mounds, which airs every single Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Good content, great guest, and yes, crazy callers like Jeff. Listen to the Worldwide Sports Radio every single week as we have a bunch of shows throughout the country. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a sports guy, a baseball guy, that could give us some of his thoughts on what's going on with baseball right now. We are now talking to former Orioles, Blue Jays, and Yankees pitcher Josh Towers. Josh, what's up, man? What's up, boys? How are you? You look good, man. 
You look good. You guys look good. I miss you guys, man. You don't invite me on enough. Oh, this is it's his fault, man. It is right. It's That's his right. fault. It's not my fault. He's the one who schedules all the guests that we have on the show. Right, and then you know they sent me a link, and then they said they sent it, they never really did send us. Oh, look at that, Speedy. Look at that, Speedy. Maybe that's what happened to Devin today. Well, let, me, <laughs> let, me show you, let me show you boys something. Let's we see got it. The coolest thing ever here in Las Vegas. Um, we have this thing called Premier League Wiffle. <laughs> and uh, our season starts today, but we have a professional Wiffle wow. off of Buddy's property. So today's opening night. Uh, <laughs> you know, when this stadium's done, it's amazing. The old stadium was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Wow. So, uh, baseball's in the air, boys. You have a beautiful home, by the way. It ain't me. Oh. my man, Adam. Oh, there you go. <laughs> he just invites us over to take over. Hey, hey, hey listen. Uh, you probably have a beautiful home. So, I'll compliment him, and I'll compliment <laughs> you. So, I don't have a home like that. So, I, I you know, I live in a nice place, but... Uh, it's somewhere to lay your head, right? Yeah. Hey, listen. We live in this world. Thank God we are alive, and we can eat, and we have a house over our head. The humidity here is terrible, Josh. It is disgusting out We don't get it too much, but when, we, when it even cranks up just a little bit, people lose their mind here. We don't know what to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> We are talking to former Orioles, Blue Jays, and Yankees pitcher Josh Towers. Uh, he's been on our show before. Great personality. His son plays ball. Uh, his nephew, I think it's your nephew, right? Your nephew plays ball. Two yes. boys. Oh, you're two, two boys. You're two sons. Yeah. Yeah, so his two sons play baseball. Played, uh, had a pretty long career in the major leagues. It's not easy playing in the majors. And when you get called up, it's like, uh, like God's coming down and giving you the power. So uh, having a career like that, I mean, it's still... Listen, it would be a lot easier if the Derek Jeters and Albert Pujols and Frank Thomas of the world would stop trying to hit homers off you. It would be a lot easier. <laughs> well, you know, Frank Thomas was a, a pretty good power hitter, and, and Albert Pujols is one of the best right-handed hitters in baseball. And Derek yeah, Kidder and Derek Jeter, who I'm not – everybody says, why aren't you a Yankee – you're a Yankee fan. Why aren't you a big Derek Jeter fan? I said, you know what, growing up – because I knew what Derek Jeter, first of all, he took the captaincy from Don Mattingly. Don Mattingly is my favorite player growing up. By the way, two of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Yes. Yes. Well, I met Derek Jeter, and I've interviewed, I tried to interview him three or four times, and he didn't give me that good of interviews. So I, 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 I've had a bad, I had a bad situation a couple of times with Derek. I sat with Alex Rodriguez, and Alex and me were talking about football. We didn't say one word about baseball. I'm going to be honest with you. That doesn't say a lot about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Josh. Thank you for throwing me under the bus. But anyways, I, you know. Hey, listen, I grew up, I, I grew up a baseball fan, not a player fan, and um, a team fan. And we were just talking about it. We were talking about it just a little while ago with the NBA. The NBA has become a player's league. And, and now these players are running the league and these fans are not team fans. They're player fans. And they follow those players. That's because of fantasy and that's the way the league is transitioned. When we were kids, Josh, we grew up fans of teams. We rooted for teams, not why players. Did, why did that change, you think? Is it, is it social media? Is it the structure? You know, because it, it, it kind of relates to what I was talking to somebody with today. Um, I had a kid, I was doing lessons today, and the kid was asking me about, about baseball, and, and Tampa Bay got brought up, and the Braves, and he was talking about the Braves have, I think the whole infield is on the starting lineup of the All-Star team, but yet the, the Rays, who are arguably the best team in baseball, mm -hmm. I don't think they have any starters. And I said, you know, they're built differently. I said, Atlanta's a tough one because they're such a good team, but they also have these high-profile guys. I mean, again, they're on TV. They're out there. I said, but Tampa is built 
from an organizational standpoint on winning. It's about winning to the organization. So what do they do? They have amazing coaches and then they put people in positions to help them succeed. They're not trying to build individual stars. When they get to that point, they ship them out. Um, and so how these teams are formed, how these players are formed, it's slightly different. We don't have too many Tampa Bay Rays anymore. Mm -mm. We have more of the New York Mets. We have a bunch of stars, but yet we figure we have not figured out how to ask those stars to play as a team yet. Right. So it's kind of, we, you're right. We, it was different when we were growing up, but again, like it's the same thing on, on all the sort like ESPN or whatever it is. We have major, major stars. I mean, my good friend, we was talking about Frank Thomas. He works for Fox with David Ortiz and, uh, and A-Rod and, and Jeter peeped his face in there. Right. Like <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a job that we all want these days, but nobody wanted it until John Crook did it. Mm -hmm. Like nobody wanted it. And now everybody wants it, but, you know, that the TV life, the social media life has really changed the dynamics. And, you know, it's so easy to become famous off of TikTok or something where you don't really do anything to get famous. And so I think there's a lot lost in not just baseball of society today, um, but fame. You know, if I catch fame and I get paid 40 million, 30 million, 20 million, and it, you don't care really if I win or not, then what's my motivation? That bothers me because yeah, we it, it bothers me because we do a show and we're we, we have a show on 103.9 FM here on Long Island and we do a show. We we have a show live that we do on Wednesdays and Thursdays and we have a network out here. And I don't think when when you see what's going on in ESPN right now and they're firing all these guys and these are former players. These are former players making so much millions and millions of dollars. Okay, there's 40 jobs that were lost. 40. And then you look at people like us where we're jamming and we're doing we're doing and I'm not I'm not taking shots at anybody. I'm not going to throw any analyst under the bus. I believe we're better than every single one of those guys. Here's a problem. Here, well, not a problem, but I I think a lot of those people were really really good at their job. Mm -hmm. I think Taylor Rose and, and guys like that, that Gundy, I I think they're fantastic mm -hmm. at their jobs, but then what happens? I think they brought in Pat McAfee to to, yes. to fill a spot stabilize it. But what is Pat doing? He's the, and I'm not saying he's not good, so don't take this the wrong way. No. But the flavor of the month, like he's the hot commodity right now. He's the guy on the pedestal. He's the guy that everybody's tuning into. We want to see him. He's exciting. He's, he's electric. He's eccentric. He's all of those things. And so right now, that's what's good for business. That's what's good for the brand. And so it's easy to, to, to get rid of some of the other stuff who maybe haven't created that buzz on socials to bring in somebody else who has. So then we deal with that as well, right? And and so what these people have to do is figure out what's best for the business. Is, is, is this it? Is it bringing in the flavors of the month every time? Yeah. Or is there loyalty in anything we do anymore? We are talking to former Orioles, Blue Jays, and Yankees pitcher Josh Towers. And I agree with you. I, I agree with you. But And I, I'm not taking shots at Jalen Rose or anybody no. that lost their jobs. I'm not doing that. I just know my – I just – Josh, I know my worth. I know what I do. I know I and, – and everybody says, well, you know, Pat McAfee. And I'm not taking shots at Pat. I love Pat. Oh. I, I love Pat. Dude, I love people who earn their stuff. And yes. Work. I, I wouldn't. You're caught, up, you're caught up in that thing, too. Yeah. Well, I'll cut you off real quick. Yeah. You, you guys, I think, are fantastic. I think you're great at your job, and you have a lot of respect, and, and there's loyalty within you. But if we want to get to the next level, of course. you got to ruffle a couple feathers every now and again, too. And, and is it worth it for you, right? Where are you trying to get to, and what are you trying to do? Is it worth it to you, or do you stay very loyal to who you are as a person? and hope that your hard work and effort is rewarded at the end of the day. Mm. Because I do some stupid stuff. No one knows who I am. I can go out here and do some dumb stuff and put it on social media, 
and people are going to love it, but is it really who I am or is there any pride in what If you knew who I was, I'm a crazy person. Okay, Pat McAfee does all the crazy stuff on it. He's got Pac-Man Jones, and he's got A.J. Hawk, and, and these are superstar guys that have a huge following. And I'm not one of those guys. I'm not an ex-NFL player, but I am the crazy SOB. I am the person that doesn't give a crap. I would, just because of my personality, I do go out and do stupid things. Do I go out and post it on social media? That's not me. What I do is, if you know how crazy I am and how eccentric I am, you would know that what I do and what I produce and how I push it out, not only through media, but through technology and understanding the digital wave and how the digital wave has trans, you know, changed everything. I think that people would understand that we are as good as anybody in the industry right now. Yeah. I'm not going to doubt it. I'm not going to deny it. I know. It's again, it's just about creating that buzz and getting your followers and all of that stuff. That's what it's like. I mean, I told you when I started doing this stuff years ago, the lady who was helping me was like, we have to get your, uh, how many, how many followers you have on Twitter or whatever. And she's like, we have to get that number up. Like it really, that's all it was about. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you from the uh, MLB player popularity standpoint too, because it's always said that baseball doesn't market their players well enough to like, is there any ways that you think like that kind of thing could help MLB players grow in terms of the popularity besides the Shohei Otani's and the Aaron judges that are already kind of popular? Yeah. Again, like what is the UFC, right? They're a marketing company. Is MLB a marketing company? Is that their job? Um, <laughs> You know, we kind of got to do it on our own, right? We kind of take to our own social media platforms and really just promote ourselves. I don't know if it's necessarily what MLB is, but then again, just like we just talked about, they got to go through the integrity of what their their brand is and what what baseball is and what it's been for the last 150 years. Um, we can't always be followers. Sometimes we have to be leaders. Uh, and it's like a relationship, right, man? Like you, you, you see somebody you find attractive, you start this relationship, you go through these hurdles. And for a while, it's, it, it's about the good times. It's about the good looks. It's about, you know, dressing up and looking the best you can, like before you go out. And then, you know, you face your adversities for whatever temptations or whatever. And at some point you get past all that. And it really is about the person and the loyalty and the respect. And where are we at with MLB? What stage are we at? And, and are they going to fall to temptations of what everybody else is? Or are they going to stay loyal to, to what makes them our national pastime? I, I mean, I think they do a pretty good job. But they have, I think we talked about it last time, they have given in a little bit with all these rule changes that have kind of altered. I mean, they're trying to play catch up to social media and keep my attention. We have to be careful that we're, we're flirting, right? We don't want to take away and give away too much of the integrity of what it is we do just to catch somebody's attention from not being on social media or whatnot, right? So it's a fine line, but I think baseball does, for the most part, a really good job. We are talking to former Orioles, Blue Jays, Yankees, and pitcher uh, Josh Towers. You know, Josh, and, and social media is very, very important to the growth of what you're trying to do. There's no question. And we have a really good following on Twitter and uh, on Instagram. And I, I, I don't really go on Instagram. It's the Twitter that we – and I have like almost 6,000 people that follow me on Twitter. And I don't even go on Twitter. Yes, Speedy. I never go on Twitter. I never post anything. TikTok though. TikTok's blowing. Oh, up. stop. I, I am so no, I know, but it's great for business. We would do we we post up things on TikTok. We do. And, and we get we get somebody you know, you had to start when TikTok came out, and that's what happens. When TikTok came out, it exploded. Everything blew up. And then everybody, you have this guy going around in the city. He's crazy and eccentric and he's nuts. And he goes around, he dances, he does this humping thing in a, in a, in a train. And he's got millions of people following yes. him. 
You, you know, have to have your your niche. Well, I don't care. I'm you. not doing that. I'm sorry. I I do it. I don't want to tape myself. I'm not going to go on and spin on a freaking well, railing and do something but, stupid. But what you do is is you hire somebody to have that camera on you and cut and paste and create their own things, mm. and you just be you. But we create this little niche that that su- supports sports loudmouths, man. And it just, dude, it's easy, simple, and somebody else is carrying the camera for it. I'm telling you, bro. No you question. Guys deserve to be seen by more people. Well, listen, we really appreciate you and give us all the compliments you want. Keep throwing it to us. Keep throwing it. It's, I'm catching it. And, I, you know, I'm not blowing a kiss to you because that's not what I do, my friend. But uh, I'll give you a handshake. Let's do it like a let's do it like a handshake. You put your hand out like over here. You know, let's pretend we're shaking. There we go. There we go. There we go, Josh. I'm trying. Now. There we go. There we go. There we go. You see, I shook your hand. It's It's a virtual shake. OK, so but let's get into some baseball and. The New York Yankees, okay, everybody keeps talking about this team, that they should decide to sit Aaron Judge out for the season. This ligament is not going to get any better. And uh, why don't he just get the surgery? I'm sorry? Is it affecting him that bad hitting? Well, he says that it's not doing well. He was he was out there uh, at the Oriole games this weekend. He mentioned that it's not doing well. He is he is jogging. He is hitting the ball off the tee, but he says it's just it's it still feels a little rough. He also came out, Josh, and said that he doesn't believe it's ever going to get better in the next one or two or even three years, and which tells me that he he is probably going to need surgery either in the off season or in the second half of the season. So. I understand what everybody is saying. We had we had Jeff call the show and be a complete ass. Okay, so we know what he's all about and how much he can't stand the New York Yankees. But the Yankees are ten games over five hundred. They're two games behind Baltimore. They're the second hottest team in the American League right now with a lineup that absolutely stinks. Okay, Harrison well, we, Bader comes back. He's getting hot. We've talked about this a million times. Mm-hmm. It's the uh, I'm telling you, offense is so. Irrelevant. It's unbelievable. And at Yankee Stadium, dude, it's a porch. It's three thirteen or whatever it is down the line. There's no foul territory. Like anybody can be a lot more successful there. The problem is, is the mindset. We go to that stadium and think that we all need to hit bombs, but I don't have to. It is built for contact. And if I put it in play, I'm gonna hit a lot more homers there than I am in Atlanta or anywhere else because of the way it's built. So it goes back to the basics. More than anything in the world, that stadium is built to stay back the other way, to really become a pure hitter again. If DJ LeMay, he would go back to doing what he did in Arizona, or sorry, Colorado, he would be one of the greatest hitters we've seen in the game. But we all get pull happy when we go to this yard. It's so close. It's that reverse mindset. It's like that, that we, we trick ourselves. Oh, it's close. I'll pull. No, go back to the basics to where miscontact becomes home runs at this stadium. The other thing is, is this team, just like everything else, is built on pitching. If you want to win, if we genuinely want to win, it's built on pitching and pitching only. Let your bullpen, which is not as good as it was, but it could be. It's number one in the league right now. It's the number one in the league. And, and, and remember, two, was it two years ago? The start, Yeah, last year maybe. The, all the starters went seven innings or more. Mm-hmm. And it's what led that foundation. And it put that team, that bullpen, in a position to really succeed. If they can get back to that mindset, they're still one of the most dominant players. Our team, sorry, and we have the lefty Rodon, Guiancing pitch, but he's coming back. They are loaded with what they need to be loaded on, but our talks are always about offense. If I'm not mistaken, Ronald Acuna got hurt not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Done for the year, and I'm pretty sure Atlanta had a pretty good season that year. 
You can replace one of these guys. I don't want to replace Aaron Judge for 10 years, but I can replace Aaron Judge right now for the rest of the season, and it's not going to affect me. Look what – this is so important, y'all, but look what – so Acuna and then look when Bryce got hurt. What did they do? They went and added two catchers and the lefty from Arizona, Pat Corbin, right? So they went and added two the, – the two most important positions in baseball, two guys that were willing to be um, – you start, no, you start, no, you start. They're willing to be a teamwork behind the plate. And then you added a lefty pitcher that was important. They went on to do some damage over there, and they won the World Series, right? So, like, they have to reset their mindset. It is not about offense, and this team's never going to hit, but they can do enough for Garrett Cole or any of these guys, Severino, Germán. They can do enough for these guys. I mean, listen, are you hitting first today and second today and third today? Anthony Rizzo, where are you hitting today? I don't know. Well, that's not that fun when there's no consistency, but like Rizzo is a very good player still, but you got Torres, you got Stanton. Stanton is 100% a guy that you put in off the bench. He is a $40 million bench player. He's nothing more, but you have to learn to put these guys in a position. He's never going to be something else. He's not like longevity has proven who he is, but there's still value in him to use him well enough. Bowers, Donaldson's old, he's past his prime. So put him in a position to succeed. But if we're really, strapping these boys to our backs and thinking that Stanton and Donaldson, these guys are players that can carry us offensively. We're being so unhonest and, and so unrealistic to that guy in the mirror. Looking back, they're not those guys. And outside of the one year for Stanton, he was never that guy, right? But JD can play some third base. He can, he can prevent some runs from scoring. And so they have the team that can win. I just feel like as fans and as a team, they're going about it and approaching it the wrong way. So you being a former pitcher, we've seen a lot of these uh, sticky substance controversies this year throughout the year. So where do you stand on a lot of them that have happened? And like you as a pitcher, like how did you try to avoid that in terms of getting the grip on the ball and stuff like that? We have to, we have to find, um, we have to find different ways. It's not like, I know there are times I want to cheat. There are times legitly I need to have an edge. I mean, again, I can't go up there and Josh Towers versus Aaron Judge. I'm power on power, mono on mono. I'm not going to win that battle too many times. Right. So then we got to start using this thing. So I have to have an advantage, and there are times where I want to cheat, but i got to be honest with you guys, man, 90, 95, 98% of the time, I just want to grip the ball. I just want to be able to hold the ball. And I say it to these dudes, go up there and bat with no pine tar, no gloves, no sticky substance, holding that bat in your hand. It is slick. It's going to go flying in the stands. People are going to get hurt. They're using that legitly because they want to be able to grip the bat and be under control of that weapon while they're hitting, not for any other reason. We're very, very similar in that regard. Now, can I use that stuff to make the ball move and do more stuff? For sure. But for the most part, I don't need to. If I have control of the ball just by the grip, then I'm going to be fine trusting my natural ability. So, yeah, I'll, I'll use it to cheat. Um, but is it is it cheating? It's been going on for, for 30, 40 years. They've been spinning at the ball. I mean, we I talk about it. Major League. If you watch the movie Major League, uh, Harris tells the wild thing. He says, you know, I can't throw the ball like you. I got to spit. I got to use Vaseline. I'll use, I'll use whatever. Snot if I have to. So this has been going on forever. Now all of a sudden, baseball wants to step in and say, that's cheating. You're cheating. Get out of here. It's cheating. It's been going on forever. The same people that are now, not now, but have been hired to work in the front office for MLB to say, hey, you can't cheat. You know, some of those people along the way are the same ones who taught us how to cheat. Mm-hmm. Coach is beautiful. Mm-hmm. 
And, and you know what's so funny? You know what's so funny? Everybody was okay about steroids. Bud Selig was okay about steroids when it was going on. What's wrong with them? Mm-hmm. I don't I mean, think there's anything wrong with it. Since I, the beginning of time, like, you know how many people in the Hall of Fame use steroids? Since the beginning of time, mm-hmm. it's always been a part of our game, mm-hmm. right? Um, and now all of a sudden it's this big deal. Look, here's the deal, dude. If you took steroids right now, do you think you can go hit in the big leagues? No. No, 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 no not at all. No. no I got a lot of guys out here. Can you just walk in? He used to play minor league baseball. There's a lot of dudes out here that play college baseball. A couple played. I think one or two played minor league baseball. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, it's so it, – there's such a massive separation in talent and doing this. You can take whatever you want. It doesn't matter. But why does it help guys on that level? Uh, one, there's this mental side, right? So it gives us this air of confidence um, to where we're kind of tricking our brain. But two, it keeps me healthy. Mm-hmm. It keeps me healthy, and that's all I need, right? So there's not this huge advantage that it really does. What's it going to do? Take a ball that you're hitting 440 and make it 460? Mm-hmm. A lot, right? I agree with you. And by the way, we are talking to former Orioles, Blue Jays, and Yankees pitcher Josh Towers. And I agree with everything. We've had different people argue that point. And that's why I sit back and there's a lot of things about what's going on in baseball. I like the new rules. I, I like that they're they're not shifting anymore. I like the pitch clock. It speeds up the game. It gets the batters in the box, which has been a problem even with the Yankees. I, I watched the Yankees for years and we Chuck Knobloch. I remember how long he was standing outside the box. You know? Yeah, well, they like you know Kenny Lofton used to walk yep. up and hear his whole song. Mm-hmm. I think I told you guys, but I'm telling you my Jeter story where I stepped off the back of the mound. No, I didn't tell you guys this. No, I'm sure I would have. So you know they all take their time. You know Nomar used to have his things, good people, but it doesn't matter. So what did Derek do? And he would just dig in with his back foot, keep his hand up the whole time, mm-hmm. right, and take his time. And it gets it gets boring. Like it's like dude, uncle at this point. So uh, the shot clock was always something that if you knew how to use. We were using it for a long time, so you can use that to your advantage. And so the guys like myself who work fast, the Derricks of the year of the world who did that, they, they wanted us to slow down, right? I mean, they want to control the pace. I want to control the pace. Um, so I got mad. I wasn't, you know, it wasn't my best day. I got mad. I was in Toronto, and Derek's doing that. Um, let's see if we can change his camera angle. Derek's <laughs> doing that. And so I legitimately walk off the back of the mound. And I just kind of sit here, and I, I basically put my hat down and just sat here. <laughs> and the umpire and Jeter were like, Josh, what are you doing? And I was like, I just sat here. And so then the umpire takes a couple steps up, and he's like, Josh, what are you doing? And so I stayed in that position, but I stood up, and I yelled at him. I said, when you guys are ready, let me know. When Derek, I said, when you're ready, like, I don't understand anything, but whenever you're ready and you want to get in the box, let me know. I'll be ready. But until that time, what do I need to stand on this mountain for? Mm. Like, do you want me to get the ground screw out so it can help you clean the place? <laughs> what do you want, dude? I was like, but you know what? Take your time. You guys let me know when you're ready, and I'll be on the mound. So Derek didn't like it very much. So I was like this, and he hops in the box. So I took my hat, jumped on the mound, and just went like that fast. And what did he do? He grounded out the second base the very next pitch. Mm-hmm. And he was pissed. Because he allowed me to take back control, to mm-hmm. get him out of his rhythm. He allowed me to make kind of a mockery of the whole thing in Toronto. So he grounds out right away. He wasn't happy. What did he do the next at bat? <laughs> and he took forever. Baby, he <laughs> took forever. And I gave it to him. I gave it right back to him. What did he do? He got a base hit. So it pissed me off, but it taught me a lot. It taught him a lot, man. It was, it's just... It's crazy, but like, unless we're, and, and Scherzer started to do this, and some of these veterans, 
started to really make a mockery of these rules in spring training, which I appreciated because some of these rules aren't thought out by the commissioner and some other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they need to be right. They need to be. Yeah. I want to ask you from a mechanical standpoint as a pitcher, like how do you adjust if you're trying to pitch faster as a whole, because we've seen a lot of guys with kind of unorthodox delivery struggle too, in addition to those older pitchers. Um, it's not, it's not hard, right? It's just using your brain. Um, you've got to be willing to, to adjust or make changes. And that's the whole thing. We get so routine oriented that we don't want to, we don't want to deviate from our routine, from our plan, unless we're like forced to or made to. Uh, and so now that's like, it's causing me to, bro, you have no idea how many guys, if it's like a rain delay, how pissed off we get because it alters my time schedule. I mean, listen, the game's at 7.05. At 6.25, I'm walking out. At 6.30, I'm stretching. At 6.40, I'm throwing my first throw. At 6.46, I'm making my way back in. At 6.50, I'm on the mound. You know, at 6.57, we're walking in to be on time for the anthem. From like, we're, like, we're so oriented, we hate it. And so that's the one thing where people just get a little stubborn because they don't want to change their plan. But if we really learn how to use this, it can be a very big advantage for pitchers. We are talking to former Orioles, Blue Jays, and Yankees pitcher Josh Towers. He, we we talked about steroids. We talked about pine tar or whatever the hell the spit, yeah, snot. It, 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 I, I never, for whatever reason, I never wanted to get in trouble, mm-hmm. which I regret now. I wish I just would have. Um, <laughs> I was never going to the Hall of Fame, right? If I really would have sat down and thought about it a little bit more, I would have took steroids for sure. I just didn't <laughs> want to get in trouble for what reason, right? But, like, for me, it would just have been about making money. Because, mm-hmm. again, what kind of player was I? Was I really going to be a Hall of Famer? Like, I would have had to be Greg Maddox, right, with the same type of stuff. But it wasn't reality. I would have, for sure, if I can do it all again right now, I would for sure would have took steroids. 100%. Per- 100%. And all right, then- Josh, we bring you back in and have the Mets sign you because they need pitching. <laughs> That's that's the crazy thing because we have spoken to ex baseball players, we've we've spoken to ex football players, and we brought up steroids to them, and we said we said to them pretty pretty easy. Did you do steroids? And they said, well, you know, they didn't say yes or no. They plead the fifth with us, but we know in in their heart of hearts that if they did, does it really make a difference on what how how hard you hit, or, or does it really? Does it really give you more speed? It doesn't. What it does for you, it helps you stay on the field. It helps you get on the field every single week, every single day when you need to get healthy or you need to you know, get that little healing serum because you're not 20 years old anymore. You're 30, 40 years old, and, and, and you, you, you want to play in, in the big league still. Yeah, like, again, I saw – so I got all these text messages the other day. I think it was Saturday. Um off topic, right? So in Vegas, we have uh, Burroughs Donkeys. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're right off the mountains and right in the backyard off the hills. There's a, there's about 20 of them that just came down from the mountains and come up to the backyard. It's so neat. Uh, so Kirby was pitching for Seattle this weekend. And I got this photo sent to me. Uh, people were snapping it off the television screen. And it, he in his first 40 career games, he had uh, 29, 29 walks in his first 40 career games. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have this, the record I didn't even know about. So Josh Towers, first 40 career games in the big leagues, 25 career walks. Um, so it's kind of cool to see your name on TV years later for, you know, for, what a weird stat. <laughs> but I thought about it like my control has never been an issue. I can close my eyes and throw a strike because my body is, that's the way my delivery was. It's very simple for me. But in my average fastball is 88, 89, and Kirby's is average in 90. 
96, 95. Mm-hmm. Man, if you gave me seven, eight miles, like if I threw 96 miles per hour consistently, everybody would know my name mm-hmm. because I, it would have, it really would have helped somebody like myself who knew how to pitch. It, like you're giving me that much more velocity. It would have helped me so much. But just giving it to some random person who doesn't really know, just thinks that, all right, I got steroids in me, so then I can just throw the baseball, then it's an irrelevant thing. It doesn't, it's not going to do anything for you. All right, I've determined, I've determined the basis of you coming to the Mets now. So what's going to happen is Uncle Steve is going to buy a transfusion. We're going to put, you, put your left, you're the lefty version, and then Bartolo Colon could be the righty version. Poke him with steroids! And that'll become... There you go. So you, you two are going to combine together with your velocity. So you're going to throw 150 miles an hour combined, and, it, and it'll be one super velocity pitcher. Didn't Alfonso Soriano do that? He changed his, his date of birth. I think he was like three or four years older. Man, like there was like ten of them with the same name. Hey, listen, if you could pitch, and it doesn't matter how old you are, because we've seen pitchers play baseball till 41, 42. Anymore, man. I mean, I know that realistically at forty six, let's be honest, but dude, I'm. It, it, my, I mean, I'm still in good shape. I take care of it. It's just a, it's just a different dynamic, man. Mm. We we learned how to eat. We learned how to train better. There's all these things that can help. I mean, it's just, it's not the same. Mm. Maybe, wow. the Met, maybe the Mets will sign Jimmy Mo- Jamie Moyer. I'm sure he could probably still do it. <laughs> Jamie Moyer. <laughs> He'd be good in the bullpen for the Mets. I think Jamie Moyer. Anyone could be better in the bullpen for the Mets, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, the Mets you are hard. just made a blockbuster trade. You got my boy Chris Flexen back. Oh, yes. That's Chris, a blockbuster yeah, and they, one. And then they get rid of him. <laughs> and they just get rid of him. They just, all right, we'll pay your $8 million to do absolutely nothing. So now the Mets have like 10 different players they're paying to do absolutely nothing. They have to do it a couple days after Bobby Bonilla Day to make it ironic, yeah, too. Right, right. No, sure, well. We're about to call it Mookie uh, Betts Day with the amount of money he's getting. <laughs> see, see, the good thing is the Mets are not going to have, have the contract like that that's going to expire the longest. Now the Orioles are doing it with Chris Davis. <sighs> <laughs> uh, speedy throw curveballs. Yeah, you didn't like it was deferred was brought up a lot. I know Frank Thomas had some deferments, some other people, but the contracts weren't as big. So like it's like, nah, give me my money now. But nowadays these guys are. I mean, look at Max Scherzer. These contracts are so mm. massive. Horrible. And so now they're deferring them. So I'm gonna still maybe take home thirty million, pay me the rest of that money for the next thirty years. Like it's- I'm not gonna judge Scherzer for making the money that he stole from the Mets. He's, he's one of the. He's one of the rare people in our game that has earned it every day of his career. Yes, but uh, it, it is a horrible deal, and the Mets are going to regret it every single day because he's been absolutely horrendous. I don't, I don't want to hear. Two? I'm sorry. Isn't he eight and two? I d- and everybody keeps saying that. Yeah, he's eight and two with a three point nine six ERA and a WHIP almost at one point two, and that's is, not good. I wonder, I wonder what their record is the days he starts. Their. That's a good question. I, I mean, his numbers are not good, and 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 I for a guy that's making forty three million, we were we were averaging where he is ranked in the top you know top hundred and twenty pitchers in the league. You're making forty three million, the highest paid pitcher in baseball yearly, and you're you're ranked forty first in baseball as a starting. Pitch. That's not good. Yeah. Okay. And you know the money is just again, it's what he's earned in his career, right? He's. He's done enough to for me to pay him. It doesn't matter if he's making 43, 23, or 13. Like, to have Max Scherzer in uniform. He don't want to be there. He don't want to be there. He, he came out and said he has a no, does he have no trade clause, right? What is it? He waived oh, his no trade clause. I mean, that's kind of a built-in thing. So if you're a 10-5 guy, you kind of already have that built in. Mm. 
By the way, he's eight and five. The team is eight and five in his starts collectively. Because I, I, you're right. I know the bullpen blew blew one recently, so that didn't help. Yeah. One of the ones he did pitch well, but hard to watch. You know, it's just again, it's the same thing over and over and over again. Mm. And, and what? Nothing changes. With no. the but he's still yeah. a four point oh three ERA, nine eight four strikeouts, and a one point two yeah. WHIP. Which it's is not, not good. <laughs> it's not good. And and I'm sorry. Everybody says he has value. What value does he have? Here's the so, value. He's yeah. not healthy anymore. He is not the same Max Scherzer. And I had a fight. We had the Nationals broadcast. What was he? What's she? A journalist? She's the Athletics Brit Giroli. Yes, and she was very close with Max. Very, very close. We're also very good friends with Charlie Slows, who's the voice of the Washington Nationals. And he tells us how great he is. He's going to fit with the Mets. And I said to Charlie, and I'll say it again, Max Scherzer, you watch. He is, every time the Mets bring in a player of that magnitude at that age, it never works. And she yelled at me. She told me, I didn't know what I was talking about. Speedy has been reaching out to her for the last past months. The lady doesn't want to come on our show again because she knows what I'm going to do to her. I am going to ruin her because she yelled at me and told me, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. This is Max Scherzer. Who are you? That's what she said. And I said, hey, I might not be anybody you know, but I can tell you this. I know sports and I know baseball. And wherever they go, especially if they go to the Mets, it never works. Ask Jason Bay. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> That's right. Who was uh, an MVP candidate with the Boston Red Sox? Yeah. And then all of a sudden he goes to the oh, Mets. So good in Pitt. Yeah. Yeah. He was in Pittsburgh too. He was fantastic. He was a fantastic player. He goes to the Mets oh, and he becomes uh, he becomes the worst player in the league. <laughs> it's easy to do. I mean, that city's not for everybody too, right? Like you have to have you have to understand that city. We sign with a lot of teams because of of contracts, right? That's the first team that offered, or they offer the most, or whatever. Um, but you got to be like. It's got to feel home and, and, you know, not everybody wants that city life. And listen, you're walking down the street, you know, going shopping, maybe grabbing a bite, getting ready to hop a cab to the field. And you got fans cussing you out, telling you how bad you suck. Like you got to have thick skin there. You know what I would do if they cursed at me and they tell me, hey, Errol, you're an asshole. You know what I tell them? I pull down my pants and have my ass hanging out and say, you see this? Kiss this. That's what I'd say. That's what I'd say. I, I don't give a crap what anybody says about me. We have guys call no. the show. They attack me. They, 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 they want to sock me, and I tell them to go kiss my ass. And that's what you have to do. In that city alone, like specifically, you have to. Like you have to, man. And somebody says you suck and you went over four last night. Right, you're right. I do suck. And I'll get better. That's my job. I'll mm. try to get better. You're right. Mm. Thank you for that. Mm. And then you diffuse it, right? Mm -hmm. You learn. Yeah, well, there's a lot of players in this world that just didn't like that. As as we we know, a lot of guys that come here, and we were talking about it last year. A bunch of pitchers have come to the Yankees, and then they go somewhere else, and then they become superstars again. We've seen this over, and Sonny Gray being another one. Look oh, at what Sonny's Sonny doing. Sonny Gray couldn't pitch, and uh, anywhere where there was pressure like that, he couldn't do it. But then you take pressure away from Oakland and Minnesota, and this kid – is legit. God, the, the brain is such a crazy thing. Mm. It is. But he's, oh, he's so talented, man. Well, you're talented. We really appreciate you joining us. I uh, you and, well, anytime, anytime. And you, listen, anytime you want to come on with us, you just reach out to us and we'll have you on whenever. Man, you got. I remember the last time you were on Twitter. Uh, you have 3,400 and some my fans. Look at you. You're going up and up and up and up. You're, you're, you're rocking it, man. And listen, man, I started working with my boys over at the Circa in Las Vegas downtown. Mm -hmm. Best casino, best sports book you're ever going to see. Mm -hmm. uh, if you ever want to watch uh, sports at a pool, 
It's it. So all your listeners come see me over there and ask for me. We got some betting guys in about 20 minutes, so they'll be That's interested right. in that. Let's go. Give my number. Uh, we will. We will absolutely. How about this? We'll get you on the show when we'll do sports betting. You could be one of our guys. You give us your top three top three picks with a, a parlay for number four. It doesn't matter what it's about, and we'll see where you hit. And at the end of the month, we see who's in the lead, and we, we go from there. We have some of the best handicappers in the country to come on the show. Pay attention again, huh? <laughs> yeah. I, you, uh, boys, we're sneaking. We're about to go dominate. All right, go go go! Kick that wiffle ball's butt, man. Oh, we will. Yeah, it gets intense out here. <laughs> I'm sure it does. You know what? We were invited to Kurt Warner's. Like, uh, what do they pickleball? Yes. His son invited us to play pickleball. Maybe we come out there and play some wiffle ball with you guys. Okay. Take a little tour of all these sports that us old men play now. I'm a pretty big guy, so I, I if I get a hold of one of those wiffle balls, it's going. You know, <laughs> this, this is no joke. This is intense. We got rules. There's, it's like this is legit. As, you got to pull up the old videos. Premier League wiffle ball. You got to see it. Uh, I want to check it out, guys. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, gentlemen. We'll I'm be in touch, guys. my friend. Yeah, Thank you. you. Thank you, yes, Josh. Josh Towers, guys. Oh, I lost you already. Fantastic, man. He's fantastic. He really is. He is. Orioles, Blue Jays, Yankees pitcher. He's fantastic. He's great. And he gave us some good insight of what's going on in the major leagues. Had a little bit of fun with him. Oh, yeah. And uh, he's great. He really is. And, and that's why he is where he is. And he's he's working. And he, he tells you he he's heard us do our show. He's been on our show quite a few times. And he says, you know, you guys are as good as anybody. You know, it's just you have to do something that stands out. And and the one thing I am not going to do is sell out. I'm not going to do it. Right. That's not me. I won't do it. I don't care what anybody says. I think talent, you know, explains it all. And I think what we do here and, and really entertainment as a whole. And listen, not everybody's going to like our takes. Okay. That's sports media. That's what sports radio is. It's a take. And you could be right. You could be wrong. I've said a lot of right things over the last couple of months. I, I mean, I've predicted so many different things. And then I say one thing, and I got Jeff sticking it to me, saying, you said this, and you said that. Yeah, I say, I say things all the time. I'm not always right. Not everybody is always right. No. Okay? And, I, and I'll admit to it. All right? The Frankie Montas move doesn't look good. All right? It, it doesn't look good for the Yankees. But that doesn't mean he wasn't healthy last year. That doesn't mean he doesn't come back in the second half, which he will. I think they're saying he'll be back in August. When he comes back, it doesn't mean that Frankie Montas doesn't go into Yankee Stadium and starts pitching well like he did when he was in Oakland. Right. So I, I don't know what Frankie Montas is. And the Yankees have control of him for another two seasons. So it could be a win-win for the Yankees in the, in the long run when you have Rodon, him, and you're probably not re-signing Savarino. Savarino's probably... And I'll predict this. Remember? Remember I say this. I remember your prediction. My this, prediction. Yeah. What's going to happen to Luis Savarino is the Yankees will not re-sign him in the offseason and Mets will sign him to an extended contract. I'm telling you right now. You heard me say it. Don't say I never said it. I'm telling you what's going to happen. If Luis Savarino is not re-signed by the Yankees, he will go to the Mets. And that is a fact. And you can take that to the bank. Okay? That so would not surprise me in the slightest. So and, and and I don't care what anybody says. I didn't say that. You didn't say that. I, I'm saying I'm telling you. And I will keep reminding you fans out there that I am saying it. And that's what I believe is going to happen. Because this is what the Mets do. And I believe Luis Savarino will be a very good pitcher for the Mets. 
So he's a power pitcher. This I hope you're right on that one. We've seen the Mets with power pitchers not do as well, well as they could. Look at what Luis Severino has done for the Yankees since he's come back. No, no, I, I agree. The he's Yankees been good. Have, Yankees have done well managing him this year. I think. I'm just saying the Mets in general with young, with well, he's not going to be younger when he signs there. But power pitcher types have not been great in recent years, unfortunately, and it's led to the downfall of their young pitching staff they were supposed to have. And again. Uh, everybody's going to say, well, you know, hey, Luis Severino's 1-3. He's got a 6.30 ERA right now. And blah, blah, blah. he had that one really, really, really bad game right. where he gave up, I think, 13 runs. And it's it's killed his ERA because he's only yeah. played four games. Right. So it, it's, you know, it, it, it happens. His, his ERA in his career is a 3.56. Mm-hmm. So he if he's a career 3.50 ERA, he's a good pitcher. That's, what, that's the way I look at it. But right. When you're when you're a guy like Max Scherzer, who's a career really under three pitcher, he, he's that good, and you're making forty three million because Luis Severino's not making a lot of money next year. No. That he's going to get between twenty and twenty three. That's what he's going to get a year, right. and and I could see the Mets giving him that because a lot of teams are going to offer him that kind of money because he's a power right handed pitcher and he could pitch as long as he doesn't lose any velocity. No, he hasn't. Basis. He's still throwing ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah, he'll get that money. You know, so we'll see what happens. But I, I know everybody looks at Luis Severino's one and three and six point three four. I, I will say this: that game that he gave up, I think it was thirteen runs. It was a bad game, and it's affected his ERA. It has. And again, I still think Luis Severino is is going to be a nice pickup for somebody next year. I don't believe the Yankees will bring him back, especially re-signing Carlos. Well, signing Carlos Rodon in the offseason. So. That, that's all I'm going to say. But uh, thank you to Josh Towers. Uh, I want to apologize to the fans. We were waiting for Devin Williams, but it seems like we're not going to get him on the show tonight. Uh, we'll work on getting him on the show in the future, but uh, you know, it, it, it's his birthday. I understand that. And uh, you know, if he couldn't come on, he could have just told us he could make it this week. We would have understood, but I, we understand. So shout out to Devin Williams. Um, and ho- I hope he has a very good 23rd birthday. Yes. So uh, he deserves it, and uh, moving forward, uh, we will see where we can uh, put him in one of the show spots. So um, getting back into – so we, we, we spoke a lot about baseball, a lot about basketball, NHL, and there's a lot to get into with the NHL. And I, I thought the draft fell the way it was going to fall. I, I really did. I, there was no surprises except the right. fact that the Rangers got – a top ten prospect at number twenty two, I think the Rangers. Yeah, it was twenty three, and like it was supposed to like he was a projected top fifteen prospect. Somehow fell. There were a lot of weird picks in the middle that really affected that. But you're right, the top of the draft was kind of conventional. The only thing that was surprising was not a lot of defensemen drafted, Mm-mm. which is very weird. Uh, free agency opened up the other day. I think it was July first when it opened up. Uh, Dimitri Olof uh, from the Boston Bruins that trade with. Uh, the Washington Capitals last year at the trade deadline, he goes to Carolina. This is a good move for Carolina. They had a second deep type of defenseman. Carolina is known for their defense. I think this is a great move. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, he goes from Boston to Toronto. Not surprised. And he did the um, John Tavares. He yeah. did the pajama photo as well. Yeah, I am not surprised he did this. I'm not. He grew up. A Toronto Maple Leafs fan, so he goes one year uh, worth about five and a half million dollars. Uh, I, I do believe he'll go into free agency next year because I think Toronto is going to stink. Um, I think they're still in the process of moving one or two of their stars. I, I think 
I wouldn't be surprised. They can't move John Tavares' contract. He's making too much money, and he's going right. up. He's getting up there in age. Uh, obviously, Matthews, I, I know he wants to go to Arizona. I wouldn't be surprised at the trade deadline they move Matthews because I think this is his last year of his contract. Yeah, and uh, the other one, too, that, that just came out recently, William Nylander already has given uh, yes. 10 no, tr- no team, no trade clause. Mm-hmm. 10 teams he does not want to be traded to. So it seems like they're already prepared to trade him. Yes, and I think they're going to move, and, and obviously – there's a, there's quite a few other players that they could move uh, one way or another. So uh, the Rangers, uh, I know you were surprised, Speedy. Were you surprised at any of these moves? Well, again, the Rangers went back to their old older defenseman philosophy, too, with Eric Gustafson. Uh, something that I didn't really like with the Rangers doing in the past. They tried it with Jack Johnson. It didn't work. They've tried it with a lot of these just older guys that haven't been able to skate. But, again, it's going to probably be a depth guy. I'm just annoyed with the Rangers. They lost Nico McCullough, who they got in the Tarasenko deal. He went to Florida. I told you it was going to happen. You, you did. I know. I, I thought they were going to do everything at least they could to hang on to him, even if they lost Tarasenko, because he was young and did play very well there. So I was, I guess, disappointed on that front. But I did like the move with Blake Wheeler, though. He's, he's older, 36 years old. But but they got him for less than a million dollars. And he's a guy that he didn't play much center the, the last couple of years with Winnipeg because they traded for Dubois. But they, when he did play center, he was a pretty good face-off guy, kind of about the same level as the Banjai, which they def- definitely need for sure. And then Jonathan Quick bringing him in as a backup. Yeah, great move. Great move. Again, he's not going to play as much because of Shesterkin being there. Matter. But they look at the leadership role that somebody like Quick had when he just got to Vegas literally for two months. Like all those goalies they had to go through too. He had an influence on those guys from a coaching or mental standpoint point, whatever you want to do it to prepare these players, and that could help Shisterka take that next step. Max Pacioretty, he goes from Carolina, he missed the whole season because of injury, well, half the season, Yeah, and he goes to Washington, so uh, Washington adds another offense, I like Pacioretty. I always have to, yeah. He's a good player, he just hasn't stayed healthy for the last two seasons, so, actually three seasons, so... Uh, Max has been an injury-prone player, but when he is on the ice, and he had a pretty fair contract, $4 million a year. Pacioretty, it, it's, to me, it's a one-year deal, but Pacioretty's a guy that can give you 30, 35 goals if he's yeah. healthy. He's it's also a tradable guy. contract if the Capitals yeah. are still bad. So, mm-hmm. so any team could try to take that on. Carolina tried it last year and obviously didn't play much for mm-hmm. them, but who says they don't try again? Uh, the Islanders uh, re-signed Scott Mayfield. I think this was a fair – I will say this. Everybody wants to attack wants to attack Lou Lamorello. Everybody. Okay? Scott Mayfield's a pretty good defenseman. He's a pretty good defenseman. And if he's your third or fourth guy, that's a pretty good defensive pairing as your second-line defensive pairing. And you got him for $3.5 million, that's a steal for seven years. He's still fairly young. He's 26, 27 years old. You have a young defenseman that you can build with. He had a very good season last year. He had probably one of his best seasons. He was probably the second-best defenseman for the Islanders last year. Yeah, you would hope that, again, like I was saying real quick, you wonder if somebody that has played for a while too could help out some of these younger defensemen too, guys like Dobson that probably regressed a little defensively last year. Offensively, he was great, but defensively, he struggled at certain points. And even Romanoff, too, from what he was in Montreal, wasn't as consistent as he could be, too. So somebody like Mayfield could be a good veteran presence to help with that, too. Uh, Pierre Engvall, uh, where the Islanders made a trade with Toronto at the trade deadline. He gave them speed. $3 million for a player that you could put on the second or third line. That's another steal for the Islanders. So... I know a lot of Islander fans are not happy. There's no smash move for the Islanders (laughs) yet. Okay? Scott Mayfield is 29, 30 years old. He still he signed a seven. I think it's a seven year deal. Scott Mayfield's not going to be an Islander for seven years. For three and a half million dollars, if Scott Mayfield has a good one or two years, they can use him as a trade piece. So it's not he's not that old. 
all right, for, for a guy still in the prime uh, for a defenseman. And remember, he didn't come into the NHL until later in his career. I think he was 25 when he came into the NHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pierre Engvall, he's 27 years old, and he's making $3 million, and he's a winger. Add speed to their second line if that's where he is going to play. So I know a lot of people don't think, oh, my God, these aren't great moves. It's still a move that stands out. They gave Sorokin. An eight-year deal. Now they have Sorokin probably for the rest of his career. He signs an eight-year deal with the Islanders, which pretty much sets him sets the Islanders uh, up with one of the best young goaltenders or medium, you know, medium-aged goaltenders. I think he's twenty-seven now. Yeah. So I, he's still a young goaltender, but being that what he did last year, he was runner-up for uh, the goaltender of the year award. Uh, the only reason why he didn't win is because Olmark had one of those seasons yeah. that just, right. I mean, it's record-breaking. But if he didn't have the season that he had, they would have been sad. Uh, they signed Volamov. Volamov is four years. He's making two and a half or two, $2, million, $2,750,000, million dollars a year yeah. for a backup goalie that's going to play Probably 30 games this year, and he's probably the best backup goalie in the NHL. Finally got him for not six and a half million like they were paying him last no, year. No, so it just made it very hard to trade. And he wants to be an Islander, and when you have right. a player like that, that's a good sign for the New York uh, Islanders. So I, I know they're not slam dunk, but there there are some rumors coming out that the Islanders and Lou Lamorello has reached out to the Ottawa Senators, and that they want to talk trade. With for or for Dabrinkit, who's a really good wingman. Uh, if you could put him on Bo Horvat's and Barzell's line, you're talking about one of the best lines in the NHL. Uh, Dabrinkit is 25 years old. He wants an extension. He doesn't want Ottawa to extend with him. He wants to go to a team, and one of the teams that he has on his list that he's told the Ottawa Senators is the Islanders. So um, maybe the Islanders make a move before. Uh, season the season begins, but there are rumors coming out that Ottawa is listening. So we'll see what Lou does. I they still have nine million dollars to work with, mm-hmm. so they have nine million dollars. Debrinket wants probably around eight million a year for a youngster like that. He is a guy that you can give a five to six year deal, maybe even longer than that. Right. You you have a young superstar right there who had forty goals last year. You put him on Bo Bohorvat's line with. A guy like Barzell, you have all three of those guys will be on a long-term deal, and they will be together for the next six to seven years. I mean, that's what you want. Guys in the prime of their careers that you can put together, and they can go out there week in and week out, and day in and day out, and, and score goals for you. Yeah, and you see the leverage points for a lot of these younger wingers that are getting these longer contracts right away, too. But they're also taking a, le- a lot less money than the, we, we would have thought initially, too. We saw we talked about with Timo Meyer last week. Like, he, he was pushing for $9.5 million and ended up getting 8 and a half, but he did that to make sure they could bring in Jesper Bratt. They kept Eric Halla and Jack Hughes being on a bargain contract really helped for the Devils, too. And you wonder if the Islanders are going to try to do that in the same circumstance, too, where you have Barzal and Sorokin on those types of contracts, too. And if you could get to bring it $8 million a year, seven years, maybe, or something like that, that probably is the, what he's going to be worth. And, and the best thing is they had to move Bailey to make sure they have that money if right. they can make that trade to get somebody like to bring it. Because we saw what he did. Lou Lamorello made the trade for Bo Horvat, and he restructured and signed him to a long-term deal. And, and a lot of people made a joke about it because he said, as a joke, and I, I listened, I asked Lou, did, did you really mean <laughs> what you said? And he says, listen, I, obviously the press takes it in a different kind of way. He said, I was just trying to be funny. So if Lou's coming out and saying that, I don't think he meant that. He He giggled about it when I said it to him, so... 
I know a lot of people weren't very happy about what Lou said after the fact, but I, I just think, listen, Bo, is Bo Horvat worth $8.5 I don't know. But And what he did, obviously when Bar, Barzell got hurt, he wasn't the same player. But again, if you put Debrinkit on that line with Barzell, I mean, you're talking about one of the faster lines in the league, and the Islanders have a lack of speed. And if they can add Debrinkit to a line like that, I mean, you're talking about Bo Horvato with 30 something, 37 goals last year, 38 goals, Debrinkit had 40 goals, and Barzell with probably a lot. He's never been on a line that talented. You put him on a line like that, if he's 100% healthy, that line is going to give you. Uh, you're talking about Barzell could be a 35-goal scorer next year. You can have Dabrinkit, a 35-goal scorer, and Bo Horvat, a 35-goal goal scorer. You're talking about half your team's goal scoring on one line, and we've seen that. Boston's been doing that for years. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it can't possible, possibly happen. I just I question what the Islanders have to trade to get Dabrinkit. And we have seen things. They He loves to give up first-round draft picks for players like this. And what is Ottawa going to ask for Debrinkit, who's a 40-goal scorer in 25, and not even in the prime yet? You're, you're talking about he's, if he's not their best player, he's their second-best player. Yeah, and I was encouraging it last year for the Islanders when he first was being dealt out of Chicago, too. Because remember, Chicago did it right before the draft, so they still ended up getting good value. And that's something that Ottawa's going to have to figure out, too. If They're going to have to try to trade him quick before that value goes down. And the Islanders, they're thinking the opposite. Lou's going to try to grind it out and maybe not have to trade that first-round pick and trying to play the waiting game with a, a, a desperate team, an organization that in Ottawa that's run a little better but has not been very well run recently. They're either. still looking for a new owner. Yeah, they're still looking for a new owner. So they could take advantage of that kind of thing now and and try to do it where they're thinking maybe more impulsively. And Lou Lamorello obviously is going to jump on something like that impulsively, like we've seen him do with the trade deadline too. But it might not come to the point where they're going to have to deal as much as you would think originally too, because he's also an RFA too. That's very disgruntled. It's it's so very interesting. And and again with baseball, uh, the way it's going right now with the Yankees and 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 now with the Rangers and and the Mets and the Rangers and the Islanders and now the Knicks. I mean everything going on with the Knicks and who's going. What what are the Knicks going to do? Is this the only move they're going to make? They made a move for Dante. Do they make another move? So there's so much going on here in New York sports. And then you have OTAs that are going to be starting very very soon for uh, for football. So you have and and the Jets on hard knocks. So it, it's crazy. Has it been? Has it come out already? Are the Jets definitely going to be on hard knocks? I didn't see anything like that. But like, it was any different than what you told me yes, last week. But there was there was a story coming way. out. It looks like that uh, they are, as far as what I'm hearing. Mike Francesa calls the Jets completely f- complete fools in a rant about hard knock rumors. Oh, God. Uh, so that's Mike Francesa. He doesn't think that they should be on hard knocks. Of course. Uh, <laughs> what is this? The hard knocks jinx? Is this going to be the new Madden jinx? Is that, is that what you're going with, Francesa? Uh, Green Bay Packers president fires uh, fires back at the hard knocks shot at Ro- Aaron Rodgers with the Jets. So, oh, boy. So he's speaking to. A lot of people are not liking the fact that the Jets are going to be on hard knocks. And by a lot of people, we mean the Green Bay Packers. I, I mean, Mike Francesa don't like it either. Fine. Francesca and the Green Bay Packers don't like the fact that the Jets are going to be on hard knocks. Well, maybe if you actually uh, treated you your think, quarterback better, maybe he wouldn't be a, a New York Jet. Do you think the Jets care? 
Is somebody trying to come in? <laughs> uh, I, I think some of our betting guys are here. Yeah, it looks that way. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like they're here, but no, the, the the Jets have some guys that don't care. Woody doesn't care. He's waiting for us. Yeah, Woody is an interesting fellow. Woody likes this stuff. Woody likes. Oh no, this is this is right up his alley. We know this isn't this isn't a Joe Douglas Robert Sala thing. This is all Woody Johnson. <laughs> no question, and that's what's so interesting about what's going on right now uh, with the New York Jets, and 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 the thing. With with where the Jets are right now, going into the offseason and making the moves that they did, and Aaron Rodgers now is there, and uh, there are stories coming out that Aaron thinks that we're they're going to be a contender this year, and and also Aaron Aaron speaking to the press and really confident about what he says. Every time he goes up in front of the press, everybody thought he couldn't handle New York. He's loving New York right now. The fact that he's center stage, he's playing with players that he wants to play for, and he's playing with a team that he wants to play with. Honestly, when Brett Favre came here, he did not want to be a Jet. He wanted to be a Minnesota Viking. Right. Everybody knows that. But the Green Bay Packers wanted to screw Brett because he didn't want to be there anymore. And and Green Bay wanted to move forward with Aaron. The same thing happened. Aaron didn't want to be there anymore because he didn't he didn't feel that he was appreciated by the Green Bay Packers organization. He was appreciated by the fans, and that's why he was so calm and collective about what was going on behind closed doors on not negotiating an opportunity to stay there uh, and maybe negotiating a, a lesser deal with Aaron Rodgers to keep him there. He was upset that they didn't reach out to him and they didn't even talk to him about possibly moving on from him and trading him. That right. they were just automatically saying, you know what, Jordan loves our guy. We believe he's the next guy and we're next man up and they let him they they practically said we're moving you mm-hmm. so he wasn't happy about that and again going back to everything that's going on right now with the jets and hard knocks i think it's very funny and uh, the last time the jets were on hard knocks in 2010 uh, 2011 they went to the afc title game i don't know what that tells you and if you're a jet fan that puts a smile on your face because hey maybe that maybe that works that they're center stage and they have aaron Rodgers there but they don't have Rex Ryan there. They have Robert Sala. Robert Sala does not like to be the centerpiece of conversation. And I know Jeff. Jeff is calling. Yeah, well, tell Jeff that we're, you, you can call back after Let's Parlay. But yes. uh, why don't we go to a quick break? When we come back, we have our friend World Wide West. He is back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure he has his own thoughts of what's going on. But CFL, yeah, he, he's, he's dead on with the CFL pick. So we'll have him on. We'll have our... Johnny B. Bad over here, who hopefully his uh, scope is working. And uh, no, Derek. He, he's, his scope is on. He's just out of the room right now. Oh, no, yeah, there he is. There, there he is. And uh, Derek, a.k.a. Mountaineer, joining us as well. Finally, we have Derek back. Uh, a pretty star, uh, you know, star, star group of guys right over here. Speedy. I yes. mean, good job, Speedy. When we come back, let's parlay here on the Sports Lab Mounts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, you're listening to the Sports Loudmouths. Check out our website by going to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week including our show, The Sports Lab Mounts, which airs every single Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. By the way, we're moving our show on Wednesdays during the summer at 9 p.m. So it will be 9 p.m. on Wednesdays and 9 p.m. on Thursdays throughout the summer all the way till September. And then we will flip it around again as uh, Wednesdays will be back at 7 and then Thursdays will be 
on at 9. So Let's Parlay will probably be early in the show so these guys can actually come on and go back and forth as Wes is back. Mr. Wes, what's going on, man? Hey, it's good to be back. You look good, man. You, you, you look balder than ever. I'm just kidding. It was a clean shave. You know, the only places I could grow hair these days are the places people pay a lot of money to have it removed from. Oh, yeah? Is that, are you talking about your ass? Oh, I mean, among other places. <laughs> well, I know people that actually have uh, used their ass hair for the top of their head. So it's happened before. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a market for that. You know, what's a, what's a New York boy's butt cheek hair going for in the Middle East? Oh, there. <laughs> well, I'm not going to use my ass hair. So I'm just, I'm just speaking the truth. Speedy? Speedy's got a lot of hair I'm not all using over. any hair like listen, that, Wes. Listen, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna, getting any ideas. I'm going to let you know something, Wes. For all you people out there that know, Speedy does not shave anywhere. He's never shaved anywhere on his body. So he is an Amazon rainforest, okay? All right, if, so. I, if I didn't shave anywhere <laughs> on my body, I would look like Bigfoot. So you shave your body? If I didn't shave anything, I would... <laughs> you shave your legs? No. Shave your chest? No. You shave your... I, I barely have any chest hair. So. Uh, your underarms? No. How about your uh, undercarriage? I don't know. <laughs> you, you don't. <laughs> and I would still look like a Bigfoot if that was the case. Well, so you're so, taking or laying the points on, on, on PD's shaving? Um, I'm taking it. Taking. <laughs> taking it. Plus six and a half? I, I would go even higher than that. I was going to say, that's a little, that, that might be not harsh enough of a spread. <laughs> you have to go double digits on that one, Wes. What are we even doing? Uh, Derek, what's up, man? Not too much, guys. How's it going? You look good, man. You look uh, happy. Uh, how's Boston over there? Not too bad. Pretty humid, but pretty good. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It, it is 93 degrees out here in New York. It felt like 103 today. I, I was yeah, it's, sweating, man. It's toasty. Uh, it, and, and then there's Johnny B. Bad over there. He's got a smirk on his face. How's it over there in Reno, boy? Well, because I'm in Texas, and we, we envy 93 feeling like 103. We envy that. Oh. We only got 100 feeling like 115. Oh. Miserable. Uh, we don't like to leave our houses it's, it's not fun but um we'll be like that through september so stop wearing worry. those long t-shirts okay that's what yeah. it is man you got me sweating by looking at you in those things i got i got a short sleeve today yeah they're, they're long man it's still that's a long sleeve short sleeve t- uh, you know t-shirt so it's anyways those, it's one of those athletic dry fits though <laughs> so it doesn't it, it, it's supposed to cool you down a little bit <laughs> Look, I'm wearing a white T-shirt. I'm sweating my – guys, I'm going to tell you right now. By the end of this show, I have the air conditioning blasting in here. I am sweating. And we're in a studio. We got computers all over. We have TVs on all over this place. It is sweating in here, and I have it blasting. So that's how hot it is here in New York. But anyways, why don't we get into it? Uh, let's parlay as we do this every single week. And guys, as you know, Wes, 
Mr. Johnny B and Brian, oh, I almost called him Brian, Derek Mountain is on, as always, but uh, these guys are the best, and they really are, and uh, Speedy, what are their records right now? You have it set up? Uh, I will, I'll look it up. Uh, John, I know you were you were two and two the last time you were on the show, and uh, I know you weren't here last week, but... Uh, what was I last you week? You were actually were 4-0, and Errol, and Chaz was 2-0 and last week. I'll pull up the overall records. Uh, I'll <laughs> intersect when you guys do your picks. Well, we have three of you guys, so I don't have to make my picks this week. I, I just got to hear your picks. I only do it because if we have less than two guys, I add my picks. And I'm the last two weeks, I've been pretty good. So I, I'm starting to rack it up, Wes. So you're you're going to be. By the way, Wes, you didn't send. Did you send me the Venmo? Send me your Venmo, Wes. You're muted right now. <laughs> There he is. Uh, you're, we... you're supposed to be sending me a Venmo. Yes, that's what I'm saying. You didn't send me the Venmo. I, I thought I did. I'll send it again. I'll never say no to money. All right. So what's, what's wrong with you here, man? Here? What, are, what are, we, are we losing track over here, man? Send me your Venmo, man. All right, Anyways. Jonathan, overall, you are 21, 12, and 1. Errol, you're now 16 and 12. Oh, how wonderful. Uh, John, John's starting to you know rack up the wins here, so i got to catch up. I'm, I'm actually making my picks tonight because i got to catch up to this guy. <laughs> i got I to right, catch so up to this guy. So you guys are going to somehow pick a baseball game the opposite way because John, <laughs> John can only agree with Derek. <laughs> All right, so we'll go. We'll go. Wes, Derek, John, then me. Sticking with what I know, and, and right now the CFL. I've always said that's my best sport. The first play, I'm going to go CFL, and I'm going to go on uh, the Saturday night game. It's Ottawa going to Hamilton. I'm going to take two and a half points on Ottawa. I like what they showed last week. Uh, they're they're possibly going to start their third different quarterback on this young season, but. Hamilton can't score points. That's not a very intimidating home home field, and uh, I like taking the points. I think Ottawa could win outright, but I, I do like the plus two and a half. All right, Derek, what's your first play? All right, I am going to go to baseball. Um, I'm going to go with Corey Seager over one and a half bases tomorrow. Um, if it wasn't for Otani, I think he would be getting talk as the best hitter in baseball this year. Uh, he missed about a month early in the year in only 54 games yes he, he has 54 rbis he is in the top one percent tile of expected batting average expected slug average exit velocity um i'm not sure a guy has benefited from no shift and a pitch in a pitch clock more than Corey seager um he goes up against cutter crawford tomorrow which is a little bit of a tough matchup um but crawford is on a pitch count um, the Red Sox limited to around 65, 70 pitches every time he comes out. Um, this Red Sox bullpen is very, very pedestrian to kind of bottom half. Um, today, he would, Corey Seager was around minus 115, minus 110 over one and a half bases against Brian Bayo, a much better starter. So I think you could get this hopefully around even money, maybe minus 105. Um, even if it's up to minus 110, I'm willing to drink a little bit of juice here. Corey Seager. Um, has proven to be one of the more well-rounded hitters in baseball. I will take this all day long. John, what do you got? Oh, what's up, guys? Uh, I'm going to stick to baseball for my first play. Uh, it's actually a game that starts in about 30 minutes, actually like 20 minutes. Um, I'm going to take the Diamondbacks on their team total over 4.5. Uh, doing pretty well in baseball right now. Uh, we were at one point down a bunch. We're now plus money, and so we're going to keep it rolling. Uh, I look at Tommy Henry on the hill for the Diamondbacks, and some pitchers get all the run support in the world. 
Some don't. Jacob DeGrom doesn't get run support. Yeah. Tommy Henry's a guy that does. He's uh, 13 games he's appeared in, 12 starts. 11 of those games, the Diamondbacks have scored at least five or five runs by themselves. And they've, they've done so in the last six games. They've also scored at least six in the last three at home when he's the pitcher. So I like that matchup a lot. Kodai, Kodai Senga is a guy that's got two different seasons. Really good at home, struggles on the road. He actually made a comment that I, like, if I was a guy betting, which I love to do, uh, <laughs> I fade him on the road a lot, particularly because he said he's not comfortable pitching on the road. That was after his, like, second or third road start. He, had, he made comments where he's not really comfortable, and it's kind of showed. His ERA is a full point, point one point oh three or so uh, higher on the road. He's also given up. The Mets have given up at least – uh, five earned runs in like seven of his last eight on the uh, eight starts overall. So I think the Diamondbacks can score hitter friendly park. They got a really good lineup. They're a really good team leading the NL West. Uh, I think they're you know one of the surprise fun teams to root and back. And they don't even need to win the game. Just score five and you catch. That'll be done in the first inning. The Mets allow so many runs in the first inning all the time. <laughs> Perfect. My play is for tomorrow, Thursday, seven ten p.m. The Texas Rangers, Nathan Ovaldi versus Cutter Crawford for the Boston Red Sox. I have uh, Texas. Um, obviously, it's uh, it's over under right now, 10. But I, I'm going to go with the money line. I have uh, Texas winning. Nathan Ovaldi is one of the hottest pitchers in baseball right now. He's he's 10-3, and 2.64 ERA. Uh, the guy is averaging a strikeout almost an inning. The guy has been as good as an American League pitcher has to offer right now. Uh, you t- you look at Garrett Cole, you look at all the guys right now that are up for a Cy Young this year. Right now, Nathan Avaldi's been just as good as any of them. So I like Nathan Avaldi in this game. I I would say this game on the under, but I'm going to go on the money line t- uh, tomorrow. Minus 140, I have Texas beating the Boston Red Sox in Boston. Wes, second play. I'm going CFL again, and th- this one's fun. And, you know, football in, in July, but... This particular game's got some some former familiar names in college in the NFL. Uh, we're going to go Sunday night. I'm, I'm laying seven and a half points uh, on BC. This is Vernon Adams Jr., former Oregon Duck. And yeah, uh, he's at the tail end of that, that flash and dash Oregon Ducks team. But he's coming off a performance where he threw six interceptions and still somehow threw for 388 and three touchdowns. Uh, it just so happens they were playing against against Toronto. But uh, Lucky Whitehead, another former NFL yep. player, played for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, his his health is is unknown going into this game. This BC team has is yet to have a, uh, a a fully healthy wide receiving core going into to any game. Uh, they they won by twenty plus twice. They they won by ten. They're coming off a loss. Uh, and they're playing against Montreal. Austin Mack, up-and-coming wide receiver, former Ohio State Buckeye, playing really well for, for Montreal. But Ex-Giant, too. Yeah. Uh, he didn't work out so well in, in, in the NFL. Now he gets to make 60 k a year, you know, catching passes in the CFL. But <laughs> but uh, I'm going to lay the 7.5. BC coming off a loss. They are not going to throw six interceptions again. And, and I wonder, if he only threw three interceptions, how many – how many points would they have actually scored? <laughs> you know, hanging 24 points, 388 and three touchdowns with six interceptions. So they just cut that thing in half. They're going to score more than than Montreal's average this this season. So seven and a half is, is a lot to lay in the NFL. In the CFL, you could be ahead by seven and score a point just by kicking the ball. 
So it, this one, again, some NFL tie-ins, and it's, it's fun to watch. Football in July. Wes, are you saying that uh, Vernon Adams is going to be the new uh, Jay Cutler of the CFL? So Vernon Adams Jr. is replacing Nathan Rourke. And, and Nathan yes. Rourke was a, was a four-year starter at, at Ohio. Last year, he was the, the most outstanding Canadian in the CFL. Now he's third string in the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's a smart business decision. But, but Vernon Adams stepped into a situation where he's, got, he's loaded at wide receiver. Going into last week, number one offense, number one defense. I, I don't think these are Jay Cutler numbers. I mean, he, he, he went up against Toronto, who is the number one intercepting team in the CFL from a year ago. So this, this is not going to be a, a Jay Cutler. And, and BC has got a sound roster around it. The Bears ruined Jay Cutler's career. That Jay Cutler could have, they just ruined it. How many different coaches, how many different bad defenses once they signed Jay? Brandon Marshall, a head case. I, I could go on and on forever about that. Jay Cutler got ruined by the Bears. I hope they don't do it with Justin because I, I, I really, it, it's going to upset me. Don't worry, at least you got your Chiefs now, Wes. Yeah, but you know what? The Chiefs, the Bears go to Arrowhead this season, and I may not go to that game. Oh. Because my loyalties will lie with a Devin Hester jersey and not a Mahomes jersey oh. that day. I mean, it, it's, I'm, I'm born and raised in Chicago. So. Uh, Derek, I believe you're next. Um, I am going to go to baseball. Uh, similar line of thinking as Johnny. Um, I'm going to go Diamondbacks, Mets, first five innings over five and a half runs tomorrow. Hmm. So this pitching matchup is Carlos Carrasco versus Ryan Nelson. Um, Carrasco has been an absolute train wreck. He's on the back nine of his career, um, battling injuries in and out. Um, and for a guy like Carrasco, who's going to face a hot Diamondbacks team, their better split is against right-handed pitching. They have plenty of left-handed hitters that can mash right righties as it is. Um, He's bottom 10 percentile on average exit velocity, hard hit percentage, and expected slugging percentage. Um, on the other side of the coin, you got Ryan Nelson, whose ERA is hovering around five. Um, the Mets have had their issues, but it really hasn't been from the plate. They've lost these high-scoring games because their pitching has been absolutely terrible. Um, and Ryan Nelson is a guy that you put the ball in play when you play against him. You can limit hard, hard contact, but you guys like Alonzo in the lineup, Nimmo starting to hit, uh, Lindor for as low as his average is. I think he has 15 home runs, um, McNeil. So the Mets have plenty of pop in their lineup. I think the over five and a half, you're going to have to drink a little juice here, but I, I really like this play with how both of these starting pitchers look. Johnny boy. Let's uh, unmute myself. There we go. Um, I'm actually going to go to the uh, the John Deere Classic for my next play. Um, we're going to take Russell Henley. He's the favorite to win the tournament at plus four. He's at 14 to one odds. I'm going to take him at top 10. One of the best strikers on the tour. One of the best golfers over the last 36 rounds of golf. He has two top 10, two top 10 finishes this year. He's made uh, 13 of 18 cuts. So he's always kind of playing on Saturday and Sunday, which is great if you're looking at a top, top 10 finish. Uh, and he's actually done really well in this tournament. He actually got uh, 11th last year. So he's right there on the cusp of the top 10. And the year before that, he got second. He's trying to make the rider team, the U.S. rider team. And I think he needs a couple more uh, top 10 finishes to get there. Look, as the favorite, I don't know. Golf is really tough. I always recommend, like, I'm going to throw a little bit, maybe some pizza money on him to win the tournament at 14-1. Uh, my, my full unit's going to be him on, on top 10. I'm still getting plus 180. 
So I think that's really good value on the golfer favorite to win the whole thing. You don't even have to win. Coming fifth, coming sixth. I, I think he's plenty capable to do so. He's had success at this course. So I'm going to take Russell Henley to finish in the top ten of the John Deere Classic. Hmm. Interesting. All right, uh, Chicago and Milwaukee. Marcus Stroman right now, who has been pretty hot throughout the season against Freddie Peralta. Um, I have uh, that. That will be Thursday at two ten p.m. I have Chicago winning on the money line. I mean, Marcus Stroman has been as good in the National League this year as we've seen, and you know uh, that he's pitched over the last really since the Blue Jays. I mean, he hasn't been. Yeah, no, he hasn't pitched that well as a Mets. Thank you for knowing. <laughs> But he's he's pitched very very well. I I, I like what I see with him. I, I think he's been um, as good as any pitcher in the National League right now. I think he wins. Uh, so I have them on the money line in that game. So I have uh, Chicago beating Milwaukee tomorrow two ten two ten p.m. on the money line. Uh, it's minus one twenty. Wes, oh, you want another one? Yes. I do. All right. Well, I'll just stay with the CFL. Go ahead. Stay with the CFL. Uh, I'll just give you my picks. I don't know nothing about baseball. I, to tell you the truth, the game bores me, and and it's not to insult the work that you guys are putting in. I just, I just, I just stay with football and hoops. So no, that's fine. Um, I'm I'm gonna go to tomorrow night, Thursday night. Saskatchewan Rough Riders coming off of a bye week. They played a really bad game against Edmonton in Week One, and they're playing them again tonight. Um, really, it was a bad coaching decision that, that, that got Sask back in the game. It was that Edmonton brought in QB3 and tried to lean forward three times in a row on the goal line and, and couldn't score. And that was kind of this, it was kind of an emotional game changer. And Sask ended up winning by four. Um, now Sask is laying seven and a half. They found some offense. Trevor Harris is one of the top yardage quarterbacks in the league. Um, they got a really good wide receiver that they picked up from Montreal last year in uh, Wieneke. He hasn't really done much, and so I, I think he might show up. They, they, they might have figured out in the bye uh, some ways to get him involved, but Edmonton is the worst team in the league. I mean, by far, they are terrible. They, they, might, they might score a couple points early, and then they find a way to elk for the remainder of the game. I mean, they, they just... They, they don't win against the spread. They don't win on the road. They don't win at home. I mean, I, I'm the most comfortable betting against them. And if you bet against them every single game and lay the points, chances are you're going to win. But that coupled with the fact that I would probably be less looking at Sask in, in any matchup this week. So um, the, the stadium in, in Regina, Saskatchewan is, is the best stadium in the CFL. It has a different feel even when you watch it on television. So laying seven and a half, it's an even money play on the odd side of things. But... Uh, Thursday night, lay seven and a half, Saskatchewan Rough Riders from Regina, Saskatchewan. What, what is it called, Regina? <laughs> yeah, every time I watch the game, I laugh at it. I mean, and and they, they say things because they're, they're so innocent in the announcement. Like, you know, we're things are real tight up here in Regina. And, and it's like... <laughs> It's like I just can't help but laugh. Like, See, that, Wes, your next challenge has to be now that Chaz knows how to pronounce the Saskatchewan. <laughs> your next challenge is to have him say Regina without laughing too. You know, and I, I gotta, I gotta give Chaz a shout because he this past, uh, I think it was July third, the Toronto game where they had the six interceptions. He kept hitting the live plays. That guy went nine and zero on one CFL game. He cashed every single thing he touched on that game. Look at him. So, Shout out to Chaz. Look at him. Go ahead, Derek. What we got? All right. I'm going to do one more uh, baseball play. Mm -hmm. 
Um, there is no line currently for this game yet because the Mariners are playing right now, but I'm going to expect that the total is going to be hovering around seven and a half, eight tomorrow. Um, I'm going to take the under, regardless of the number. Um, I think it is, it, is, it is a low-scoring game written all over it. Um, no Jordan Alvarez for Houston. They've been really, really pedestrian on, on offense, and they're in their worst split against a righty, George Kirby, who has taken a little bit of a step back from last year, but for me, he, he is a borderline ace. Um, throws 96, 97 miles an hour. He limits hard contact. Um, only lefty that you really fear in this lineup without Alvarez is Kyle Tucker. Um, on the other side of the coin, the Mariners lineup has been one of the more disappointing lineups in all baseball. Um, Julio Rodriguez has not really taken the step forward that people thought he would. Tiesker Hernandez has not, at times, has looked like the big free agent acquisition that they got, but at, at most points of the season, he's been a disappointment. Um, they are in their worst, but they've been really, really bad against uh, good left-handed pitching. And tomorrow, they get arguably the uh, AL Cy Young frontrunner and Framer Valdez, um, sub 2.5 ERA, uh, elite strikeout stuff. Um, I think this is a nightmare matchup for both offenses. Uh, U.S. Seattle playing right now. They got to go to Houston tomorrow. Um, Houston's coming off a game today against Colorado. I think this is a tough situational spot. And just to further back it up, um, these are two good bullpens. They're both top 10 in ERA. Um, so you could look towards the first five angle. I'm going to look towards the full game. I feel very good about it under whether it's eight or seven and a half for, for this game tomorrow. Johnny. Yeah, I'm going to take their team total over. Uh, it's going to be the, uh, I think it's a noon central game tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon between the uh, Cincinnati Reds and Washington Nationals. I'm going to take the Washington Nationals over their four and a half uh, team total. They're going to face Brandon Williamson, a lefty. Uh, one thing the Nationals do very well, and actually they're the best in the league at it, is they don't strike out. They put the ball in play. The ball is always in play. That, to me, just creates a lot of opportunities. Even if they lose this game, I think they can still score against Williamson. Uh, in all but two of his starts this year, they've at least they've allowed at least six as a team. Back-to-back uh, -back games, they've allowed 10 and 12 when Williamson has started. He hasn't pitched well. He doesn't have a lot of depth. The Reds' bullpen not something I'm going to back as far as limiting runs. Not telling you the Reds can't go out there and score 10 themselves. I just think the Nationals at home, I think they have a really underrated offense. The, the, maybe the runs haven't been there, but they have so much base traffic that I really believe that eventually runs are going to start coming. Tomorrow's a good opportunity against a struggling pitcher. I'm not going to back them up to win. They have a terrible bullpen themselves. I'm going to take the team total over for the Washington Nationals over 4.5. UFC Saturday night. Robbie Lawler, the return of Robbie Lawler versus Nico Price. It's such an inter interesting fight. Robbie Lawler, this could be his last fight. Uh, he's retired. He comes back. He retires. He comes back. Uh, obviously, he is uh, Mr. Ruthless. But in this fight, uh, he's fighting a younger guy in Nico Price. Nico Price, who uh, has lost. He's never. He, the last time he's lost back-to-back -back fights. I don't even remember the last time he's lost back-to-back -back fights. He lost his last fight, uh, obviously, TKO punch by Philip Rowe. I think on, on Saturday night, uh, Nico Price versus Robbie Lawler, I think, this, I think this will be a knockout. Whoever wins this fight, it will be a knockout. But I have Nico Price winning this fight. So, 
on the money line, if you want to call that. It's on the money line. So I think the money line right now in this fight, uh, Nico minus 240 to Robbie Lawler's plus 200. I, but if you want to bet, if you want to parlay this, I, if I have Nico winning this fight, I think Nico knocks out Robbie Lawler, either in a, either in a second round or third. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict the second round. So, and this will be the last fight Robbie Lawler fights in the UFC. He will retire fully now. So, uh, that is. I'm, I'm actually surprised they didn't give him the last slot on the pay per view billing. Yeah. Because he is a legend of the game. Mm-hmm. He's, the, he's the last on the undercard. Yes. So I have um, I have I have Robbie Lawler losing against Nico Price, and uh, last one. So go ahead, Wes. Give us your last. Well, fourth game of the CFL. Let's do it. That's all. That's what I do. That's all I know at this point. Um, this one is my least confidence game out of out of the CFL. So that's that's probably not the best way to start something off. But I'm looking at Calgary against Winnipeg. Calgary. Um, this is where I, I really question. The Calgary is is pretty good on the road. They're they're better on the road than they are at home. At least you know over the course of like the last dozen games. Uh, Winnipeg at home in the second half is is flawless. Uh, they only, this is an odd Winnipeg team. They hung 40 points for the first two weeks. They allowed some points. Then they came out, uh, last week and, you know, they won 17 to three and they've been pretty lights out, uh, on defense. They have two of the best players in the CFL that are not actively on the roster. Kenny Lawler played for the worst team in the CFL last year, hung 1100 yards. He's, he's in my opinion, the best wide receiver in the league. He's under a suspension, and he was he was supposed to be eligible to return in last week's game. One of the challenges with the CFL is like, I don't get local newspapers and CFL.ca and some of the some of the sites that that we have access to from from here in the states is not we don't get the most current information. But uh, and Jackson Jeffcoat is one of the best defensive players in the CFL, and his injury status is is also unclear. Um, but they've been playing that way without the both of them for the last couple weeks. So Calgary is completely injured. I mean, they, their whole wide receiving core is, is, is injured. Their quarterback is, is, is a mid-grade, you know, Daniel Jones type, you know, never going never gonna to really be an MVP type quarterback. Uh, and that's what Calgary is. So they're going on the road to Winnipeg. Winnipeg's a difficult stadium to play in. Uh, Winnipeg and Sask are, are pretty much the premier stadium. So I'm laying eight points on, on Winnipeg. That's a lot of points. In an NFL game, I would never do it. I, I, very rarely would I lay those points uh, in, in an NFL game. But in the CFL, it's a touchdown. And then on the kickoff, you can actually score a point uh, just by kicking it out of the end zone. So we're going to lay eight. We're taking the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And it's only minus 105, so it's pretty good values. Derek. All right. <clears throat> For my last pick, I'm going to go to John Deere as well. Um, Johnny touched on it. I am going to go with Eric Cole to finish in the top 40 at minus 125 in Barstool. Um, so we don't need much here. He needs to make the cut. He needs to beat about 20 other golfers, and we're in the money. Um, this is a really weak field. I mean, Johnny touched on it, but Russell Henley is the favorite. Guys like Denny McCarthy near the top, uh, you know, no disrespect to those guys because they've both had really, really good seasons. But no Scotty Schefflers in this field, no John Roms, right? Not even the tier two guys like Matt Fitzpatrick, Justin Thomas, Speed, those guys, right? They're getting ready for the British Open. Um, so the door's wide open for a guy like Eric Cole. He's ranked 40th in the FedEx Cup standings. Um, he's had three top 10 finishes this year. 
um, including a top 40 finish at the PGA Championship, the or 15th in the PGA Championship. I'm sorry, a top 40 finish in the U.S. Open. Um, he is really consistent, kind of like a Henley. He has a, he has a nice approach game, and he makes up a lot of putts on the green. He is fourth on the PGA Tour in putts gained in the last 24 rounds. Um, he has gained 20 strokes on the putting green. So um, this is a course, at the John Deere Classic, it's, it's wide fairways and it turns into a little bit of a putt fest with how easy sometimes the approach shots can be. Uh, on average, these par fours are about 100 to 150 yard approach shots on the PGA Tour. That's very, very short. Um, a guy like Eric Cole can make up plenty of shots on the green. Um, the way he has been putting this season, and we only need him to place in the top 40 here. On pretty much any other sports book, he's going to be around minus 160, minus 165 to finish in the top 40. So a little bit of a misprice on Barstool's part for, for what I think. Um, I think he should take full advantage of this price. Um, so I, I absolutely love this bet. Um, Eric Cole to finish in the top 40 this weekend. Johnny. We're going to stick with baseball. We're going to stick with baseball. We are going to um, – I'm going to take the Orioles. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take of course. tomorrow uh, with Radish versus uh, Severino. I actually hate betting my team because I feel like every time I do, they lose. I actually have to go back. I, I did go back, and I want to see when I do bet on the Orioles, my record is, and I, when I bet against them. 0-3 uh, betting against them this season. Mm. So I, I, I don't know if – I'm just not reading the game right. I'm 4-3 and betting for them. So – I'm going to stick to that. I think I'm doing a little better when I bet on him. I like him. I, first off, Severino's been terrible. He's one of your worst pitchers right now, struggling in the in, – and he's in rotation. You guys are plethora with injuries right now. Uh, Judge is still not going to be back. I, I expect there's no way you're going to get him back before the All-Star break at minimum. You're struggling on offense. Uh, he, he scored – you had kind of an outburst yesterday. He was scoring nine, I believe. Um, other than that, Bradish has been the most consistent pitcher in Baltimore. Uh, the only problem I have with Baltimore is if he can't go five, if he can't go six, our middle relief pitchers are just been terrible. But I'm going to bet on Bradish being able to go six. They have an now. This is their. This is the Orioles you're going to get used to seeing here in the next couple years. They just called up Kowser. They called up Gunner. They have Gunner Henderson, Adley Rushman. They, they called up Jordan Westberg. This is going to be the Orioles now. This is you know all the talk of the last couple couple years of this great farm system that we have. Now they're coming up, and this is going to be the team that we have. I'm going to put up or shut up. This is a big, big series. If they can hold off tonight, they're up 4-3. to three. They can hold off tonight, split with the Yankees, get a good series, maybe win two games to one, to, to one against the Twins and go into the All-Star break on a high because they are, they are sputtering right now. So I actually think tomorrow is a big, big opportunity for them. I like them at the price. I got plus 110. I think it's a little different now if I can get to it. Uh, tomorrow looks like they are minus, minus 125. Uh, it's just mostly because of fading Severino. And you guys have a little bit of uh, bullpen um, uh, trouble with Jimmy Cordero uh, getting suspended for the year. So maybe a little weak in the bullpen department as far as uh, who is available. I think the Orioles can win tomorrow. Yeah, my final pick is the main event. Alexander Volkanovsky versus Yair Rodriguez. I know a lot of people, uh, this is going to be a great fight. They're two really good ground fighters. One who's a black belt Mexican fighter. He's fantastic. And the other one who's one of the best wrestlers in the UFC right now. I, I cannot see 
Volkanovski losing another fight. I'm not going to pick. I'm not going to pick a winner in this fight. If if you were to ask me who's going to win, I think it's an upset. I think Yair Rodriguez wins this fight as an upset. But I believe it's going to be on the over right now. The over under is four and a half. I think it goes to decision. Um, and I think I think Alexander Volkanovski will win. But I think people are going to argue that Yari Rodriguez beats him in points. I think they're both great fighters. Uh, both of them are specialists. One in you know Brazilian jiu-jitsu and the other one in ground fighting, you know, Greco-Roman wrestling. So uh, I have it on the over. I, I think it goes to decision in the fight. So there you go. Do you know, is it, uh, is it juiced? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I wonder what that is. Mm. I was looking at that over too. Oh, it's on the over. I, I, I'm definitely. I'm telling you, it's going to go to decision. So it's five rounds. It's five rounds because it's a championship fight. Um, but I, I, I do believe it will go to decision. I don't think anybody's going to win by knockout. Both of them, they, they both have knockout power. But I, I don't, I don't see both of them have good chins. <laughs> And I think they're, bo- they're both great ground fighters. So I think it'll go to the ground. You're going to see a lot of transitions, but it will go to decision. I wouldn't be surprised. If, if you want to bet, you, wanna, you just want to throw a little bit of money out, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that Yair, Yair Rodriguez wins the fight. But uh, it's going to be a close one. And they'll probably give it to Alexander because he's a fan favorite. So um, that's my prediction. John, but, are you implying that you, uh, Russian UFC fighters are like Russian Olympians and are doping? Wait, what? You said you said is the fight juiced? Well, maybe. Oh no! Like maybe it's odds. like the Russian so, like, Olympians. When it's like the over could be like minus one eighty or something if it's like really supposed to go over. Because I actually looked at the over in that just like when I was like looking at fights, just kind of my first kind of. Uh, mm-hmm. I would bet it. the over. I would bet the but, over. I I think it goes to decision. I, I might I bet. I might do a little little Yair Rodriguez to win mm-hmm. by decision mm-hmm. and like really. You can win a lot of money on that because nobody, nobody yeah. believes that's going to happen. But Yair Rodriguez is a, a fantastic fighter, very underrated. Uh, he showed it his last fight, and I, I believe that Alexander. Everybody has him like going and just running through him. This guy is longer. He throws kicks. He's going to give. He's going to throw kicks to with a sternum. And Alexander has problems against long guys. So as he saw in his first, his last fight, he had problems against the longer fighter. So this guy, Yair Rodriguez, is a long fighter, and he is very, very good ground fighter as well. So Alexander is not going to beat him on the ground like he thinks if he takes him to the ground. Here in Texas, uh, Yair Rodriguez might be the fan favorite. We got a lot of people from Mexico here, mm-hmm. so they'll cheer on the Mexican of course. fighters. Of course. So I could see us having, like, we go to bars, it's going to be Yair heavy. So mm-hmm. it might be fun to go throw a little buck, a few bucks on him. Well, Alexander right now is one of the, I think he's the second or third most popular fighter right now in the UFC. They love oh, him. Wow. And, uh, and the UFC wants him to win. But I'm not going to be surprised if Yair, you know, surprises. He could probably choke him out. He is an unbelievable, when it comes to his legs, he's got long legs. All it takes is Alexander to make a mistake. If Alexander makes a mistake, he'll wrap his legs around you, and he will beat you. So he's that good of a fighter. He's a great ground fighter. And the guy could stand up. He throws heavy kicks. He'll take your legs out. And 
the one thing Alexander's had problems against is is longer fighters. The the longer the fighter, the problems he has against the guys that can throw kicks to the sternum and stuff. And that's what Yair is going to do. He's going to throw kicks. He's going to make him try to go after his legs. And if he does, and he tries to sink, try to go after his leg and shoot at him, he could put him in a chokehold. The guillotine. He's very deadly with the guillotine lock. So he could probably choke him out too. So. It's going to be a good fight. It's going to be a really, really good fight. So if you're a UFC fighter, fighting fan, this is one of the better fights you're going to see. It's going to be a fun fight to watch. So there you go. Thank you, boys. Thank you. Derek, Wes, you guys are fantastic. Johnny B. Bad over there. You know, the kids crying, you know, screaming. <laughs> Wes with the CFL and Derek, a.k.a. the Mountaineer. What is that? What is what does Jeff call him? Jeff calls Derek an alias. <laughs> he doesn't think he's an actual person. <laughs> or the name Derek Mountain so, 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 supplants an actual person. Oh, Jeff. He's one piece of work. He really is. Why don't we go to a quick break? When we come back, we'll finish up. Uh, as everybody knows, we have bracket wars. And we'll finish up a little bit more with hockey and football. I want to get into some football conversation. Uh, as there's some stories coming out uh, in the NFL. Uh, with the new rules and everything like that. So when we come back, we'll get into that here on the Sports Lab Mounts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mounts. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Sports Lab Mounts. I'm your host, Aaron Marks, my co-host, Speedy. PD. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including Sports Lab Mounts, which airs every single Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. We will transition that during the summer to 9 p.m. on both days. So all the fans out there, I know you're looking forward to us coming on early at 7 p.m. during uh, the Wednesday shows. We did that because some of the kids go back to school. Uh, during the school year, and some of them don't get a chance to listen to the 9 p.m. show. But it is summertime, so all the kids that want to tune into the show, you could still tune in, uh, but you'll have to tune in at 9 p.m. now for the rest of the summer. Uh, it, it's better, and we, we do a lot of things off air during the weeks. So uh, I want to let everybody know that our show Wednesday will be transitioning into 9 p.m. Wednesdays and Thursdays. So for all the fans out there, I know you... You're looking forward to the 7 p.m. show. It will be 9 p.m. on Wednesdays moving forward. There are new rules in the NFL, Speedy. Did you hear about them? I did not. All right. So the NFL Competition Committee uh, for 2023, we're negotiating and working on new rules. Instant replay reversals now. Uh, new for the NFL in 2023, when instant replay decisions result in a reversal uh, under two minutes, the play clock will be reset to 40 seconds instead of 25 seconds, unless another rule requires otherwise, such as when there is a 10-second runoff, in which a case uh, the play clock will be reset for 30 seconds. Additionally, inside two minutes, reversing from a ruling with a stop clock to one with a running clock requires either a 10-second runoff or charge team timeout. So that's the instant replay reversal. Failed fourth down um, 
conversions. All failed uh, for first down conversions will now be automatically uh, booth reviewed, similar to other turnover situations. Head coaches are prohibited from challenging or failed fourth down conversions. However, successful fourth down conversions still require a coach to challenge unless they occur inside the two minute warning on during overtime points of clarifications okay so the the one the using the helmet we know about they made it even more more worse if you use your helmet uh there are situations where you could be thrown out of a game uh tripping is a new one and it will be starting in 2023 this is the one that i'm interested in how they're going to run and how how it's going to screw a lot of teams during this regular season because what do you declare a tripping penalty? Right. You know what I mean? How do you declare it's a tripping penalty? Okay, so starting in 2023, tripping is now a personal foul. 15-yard penalty and is subjected to additional discipline, whether it is called or not called on the field by officials. What is tripping? The use of a leg or a foot to obstruct any opponent, including a runner. So... This is the rule that a lot of people are complaining about. And I'm going to be one that's going to complain about it. Let's say you tackle somebody and he doesn't go down. All right. And you're laying down and he trips on your foot. Okay. He's running and your foot is down and he trips on your foot. Is that tripping? Is that using your leg or your foot? To get, you know, get in the way of something where it's a 15-yard penalty. And this is a problem. This has been a problem with the NFL. They add these new rules. And I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to protect the players. They're trying to set an understanding of the way these rules are going to move forward in the league. And it's affected the league. And in the speed of the game, especially with some of these uh, defensive rules, for, which affected the Jet games a couple of times this year, I didn't understand some of these rules. Uh, and I understand what they're doing. I understand what the NFL is trying to do. They're trying to set the pace of the game where the game will stay at a pace where fans will see more offense. The problem here is when you look at the tripping and, and, and all these different penalties that they're being, they've been calling, it has affected the game. It has affected the, the speed of the game. As much as they think that it's not, it has affected the game speedy. Well, yeah, the tripping one I think is something that's going to be a gray area in the beginning because unless it's a completely egregious thing, it might be one of those things like in hockey where you have a distinct kicking motion or a distinctly your stick is above the crossbar type thing. There's going to be some level of gray areas for like how forceful it looks. I think what you're describing, that kind of thing probably wouldn't be called because it's probably the equivalent of a shoestring tackle in that case. And I don't think that kind of thing should be called, but I think they're trying to stop more of those other cheap shots and maybe some of those other low leg tackles that we've seen offensive linemen not be able to chop block anymore and stuff like that. I think it's one of those other things too that's trying to prevent those lower body injuries the same way it is very interesting and that's what a lot of the players are going to have to get the rules from each referee before the game because if you don't know and, and this this happened a lot in the nfl last year it really did the tripping calls and stuff like that and they didn't really call them because they didn't know how to really concur what what a tripping call is now they're coming out with these tripping calls with if you use your leg or your foot to obstruct any opponent But define that. How does that define a play when uh, a running back gets tripped? 
You know what I'm saying? That and a running back is the one that breaks tackles. They they're the ones that go through the the you know they can go up the seam. They can be used as a, a wide receiver back in the back end. So screen passes. How does that define the tripping call? Because this is going to be a call that's going to be used a lot this year because obviously the NFL saw a lot of it last year and it wasn't getting called. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where they're going to look for one distinct type of thing if it doesn't look like natural running motion or natural uh, a natural cutback move or something like that for a running back for a wide receiver. If it's not a natural part of your route the same way they would call offensive pass interference, they might do it here to convey, all right, is he actually trying to run his route or is he trying to trip the corner or tri- trip the safety that's trying to cover him? So you're, there's going to be a lot of gray areas. I think they're just going to look at longer leg motions to start, and then they'll be able to judge accordingly. Josh Allen says, Stefan Diggs' situation in minicamp was overblown. No reason to continue talking about it. Uh, Josh Allen came out and said the other day on the, well, it's called the Bussin' with the Boys podcast. I love him. That's my guy. So uh, the story's coming out that him and Stefan Diggs weren't getting along. Uh, they were fighting on the sidelines during the playoffs against Cincinnati. There was arguments. And then him coming out didn't show up to the first uh, practice of minicamp. Uh, not mandatory. It was not It was not mandatory meetings or, or, or minicamp. So I, I, I don't understand why everybody was making it a big deal. And then he obviously showed up the second day. He sat down with the coaches. And then he, he there were stories coming out from his team that he's complaining that he didn't see the ball enough, especially in the playoffs when he saw a significant amount out when you look at the numbers I, again I believe everything will be pushed under the rug if Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs starts the season off strong the problem is the AFC East has gotten better the Jets have gotten better they're matched up on Monday Night Football in the first game of the season I think it's if I'm not mistaken it's in New York I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's in New York. Yeah, no, it's in New York. We've, we've, we've looked at this many times. It is definitely in New York. So you're going into a season where you're playing one of the top five defenses in the league last year. And the team that – there's a lot of questions. Quentin Williams still is not signed. That's right. something that the Jets need to figure out and figure out soon because if he's not signed, that's going to affect your defense moving forward. And also, uh, the corner play last year was one of the best in the league. I mean, you had the two dynamic – uh, defensive cornerbacks last year in Sauce Garner, who was ranked number one in the league, and DJ Reed, who was I think top seven, top eight in the league. So, and then you you had uh, one of the better slot corners in Michael Carter last year. So the secondary is healthy; they look healthy as long as they play healthy during the preseason games and 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 OTAs. The Jets are going to be positioned to be and their safety play too. They added Amos. This is this is going to be a good secondary this year if they stay healthy, um, but. Uh, the, there's a lot of questions with the Buffalo Bills going into the season. Are they as bad as they were in the second half of the season? Because they did not look good. They didn't. And Josh Allen didn't really look good in, in, since the Jet game when he hurt his arm. He wasn't the same player. He lost that game against Minnesota. He went into, obviously, he beat Miami, but Miami had a third-string quarterback playing, and that game wasn't a shoo-in. I mean, Miami could have won that game at one point. And they didn't even have their, they didn't even have two in that game. And then 
obviously going into uh, going into a game with Cincinnati where a lot of people were questioning the game. You go you go into a home game, Buffalo. It snows. No excuses. You play in that cold weather all season long. Cincinnati. Yes, it's cold in Cincinnati. It's not as cold as it is in Buffalo. And and you would expect Buffalo to show up in the game, and it shows. And and obviously Leslie Frazier didn't think the defense played well because he stepped away from the team last going into the offseason. So who do we have, Jeff? Yes. All right, put Jeff through. Jeff, you're on. You, you make some good points about the Bills and, and some good points about the Jets. I think you might have me convinced I might start rooting for the Jets this year. Why is that? Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, think about the one benefit mm. if if the Jets can actually win a Super Bowl. Like, like, think about the real benefit here. That may be the thing. The Jets. I don't think they're terrible. winning the Super Bowl. Right, right. But the Jets for 50 years have just been dog shit. They stink, right? 52 and years. Even, and even if they can even pull themselves together and win a Super Bowl before the Cowboys, <laughs> that might be the one thing that gives Beave an injury. <laughs> Actually, the Beave, the Beave's father is a Jet fan. So uh, he obviously doesn't care if the Jets win or lose. Um, but obviously he would want the, the, the Cowboys to win. But... I, I don't I'm think I for don't, every team to win a Super Bowl before the Cowboys. I, I don't think the Jets win the Super Bowl this year. So for anybody that thinks that, I, I as a Jet fan, I you want to get into the playoffs. You want to make a run. I think the Jets will get into the playoffs this year. I they could win a playoff series. I don't think they're going to the Super Bowl. Okay, that's just my opinion. We'll see how this team plays throughout the season. And and we'll see how they pick up and, and how it works with Aaron Rodgers. If they can keep Aaron Rodgers healthy and keep him on his feet, anything's possible. But do I think the Jets are going to win the Super Bowl this year? No. I don't think Kansas City is going to win the Super Bowl either this year. Well, so, that's that's my new dream. My new dream is now to see the New York Jets and the Detroit Lions oh both win a Super Bowl oh before man. the Cowboys do. The Lions have only won one playoff game in, their, in the Super Bowl. They're era. making the playoffs this year, by the way. I believe Detroit will we'll make the playoffs. We'll see if they win a playoff game, though. They've only won one playoff game in the Super Bowl era. I I was so very interested to hear uh, McCarron. Uh, what's his name again? Um, uh, who The tight end that we were going to have on the show. Yeah, Cameron McDonald. McDonald. We, I wanted to hear what McDonald was going to say about, obviously, Jordan Love and his thoughts about who he is and, and what type of quarterback he has seen on the field since he's been on the field with him. But uh, we, we haven't had him on the show. He he obviously couldn't make the show. But I'm we're hoping to get McDonald on the show because I want to know his thoughts about Jordan McDonald. I mean, Jordan Love, who... Going into the season, a lot of people are going to have questions how he's going to perform taking over for a guy like Aaron Rodgers. It is definitely an interesting question. And, and again, Snug is on board with your Super Bowl, Jeff. A Jets versus Lions Super Bowl would be amazing. I don't yeah, think that, that, would, that would be terrific, right? Like, that, like, I mean, I'm not sure it's happening anytime soon. Like, I'm not sure if you know this stat, but do you know JFK has only missed one Detroit Lions playoff win? <laughs> Yes, that sounds accurate. Yeah, that's what happens. We won one Super Bowl, one playoff game in the entire Super Bowl era. Not even a team as dysfunctional as the Browns did that. You're so stupid. You really? I mean, that's a real thing. So I know, I know. But I, I think it's funny how you come up with these numbers and these things, these statistics. It's funny. It really is. But that's the goal now, right? Like that's the goal. Like let's see Beeb have an aneurysm. If the Detroit Lions can win before the Cowboys. 
I mean, that'll just be beautiful, right? All right. Well, there's 11 teams that haven't won a Super Bowl, so you could start there. Then there's teams like the Jets that have a long drought, the Raiders, Washington, teams that haven't won since, like, the 80s so that have long droughts, too. So you could. I think there's probably half the league that's either haven't won or won a Super Bowl less recently than the no, Cowboys no, that you no, could no. root for. No, no, no. I want the three shittiest teams in the league to win before he does. We're talking Jets. We're talking Lions. We're talking Browns. Okay. I want the trifecta. All right. Because so, let's face it, they're the dog shit of the league, right? Like they're 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 pretty terrible, right? Like we thought it was the Seahawks, they started winning. Even the Cardinals, who are terrible, have made it to a few Super Bowls and won uh, with with uh, Kurt Warner, right? So no, they they, the they lost. They didn't win with oh, Kurt. They, oh, no, they, they lost didn't. to the Steelers. Yeah. Oh, no. oh, that's right. The refs stole it from the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They did. That was terrible. I do want to go into the. American League and National League All-Stars. I know nobody really cares because the All-Star game is dull. It's fraudulent. Yes. Uh, obviously, elected— When Aaron Judge gets voted a starter, it's fraudulent. Well, he, he has. Listen, I know. listen, he's a great player when he plays. He's missed virtually the entire season. Can we just be honest about that? Mm-hmm. Like, right? So, like, I'm not dogging him. He's a great player. Dude, if you've missed— 50 games so far, but they still vote you, like, to a start it. It's fraudulent. Like, it's pretty fraudulent. It's a popularity contest. Every All-Star game seems to be. I mean, but they always sneak in a couple of guys that, like, you know, they're deserving to be a starter. That you like, you're like, wow, maybe some of the fans. Well, Mike Trout shouldn't be there. Why is Mike Trout starting outfielder? But until, but until yesterday, Mike Trout has played the whole year. He's played pretty well. Yeah, I I, right. I mean, I, I explain. So you're trying to bring so you're trying to bring that up as like the knock. No, Trump but he, here's the here's the thing. Here's the thing. You say he's been playing well. He had 18 home runs, 44 RBIs, and batting 263. Before Aaron Rod Aaron Judge got hurt, he had 19 home runs, 42 RBIs, and he was batting close to 300. And he had yeah, like did. and he had a lot so, less at bats. So Aaron Judge know, was you? probably the hottest player in baseball before he got hurt. He was. Was he not? Am I wrong? Right. Um, hold on. I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Stock says I voted for the San Diego chicken this year. Aaron Judge had 1940 and t- batting 291, and he had 175 at bats to Mike Trout's 307. I mean, Aaron Judge has had a better season. So, so tonight in Triple uh, so A mm-hmm. or Double A for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Uh, they activated the hitting coach. Is, it, is his name Andy Wells? Who's the who's the batting coach, right? He hit a grand slam tonight. Did you know he has more home runs than Aaron Judge in the last 40 days? <laughs> You're such an idiot. Okay. No, not an idiot. This is you projecting, oh, well, before he got hurt, dude, he's been hurt forever. But he's here's the thing. Forever. Mike Trout has had, he's played 300, <clears throat> he's had a 307 at-bats. He gets hurt. Mike Trout doesn't have better numbers than Aaron Judge, and he has 100, 150 less at-bats. So how oh, could you say he's been the, playing what, better? What's, what's the best ability? No, stop with this, Jeff. Stop with this, Jeff. It, it, that's wrong. And if you oh, well, think – for well, you to say well, Mike then, Trout then should then be a starter – if you're going to tell me Mike Trout deserves to be a starter and Aaron Judge doesn't, it's ridiculous. That's a well, ridiculous then thing. I, then I don't – then I don't understand how Trevor Story wasn't voted in because I projected him to have 50 home runs by now. So that should be good enough, right? <laughs> so oh, wait, he hasn't played. Right? He's he so stupid. Played. You're so dumb. He's not gonna no, play. It's, no, no, it's not stupid because that's what you're doing. Aaron Judge hasn't played. Give it up, dude. 
Carl I don't says, care. Mike Trout hurt again, always. Listen, I don't care. That's what I'm saying. I don't care. You're the one that brought up Aaron Judge. I'm bringing up Mike Trout. How is no, Mike no, no, Trout? No, I, no, no. I'm saying how fraudulent this is. Like that's it's the All Star Game. He's a popular player. Who cares? Nobody cares about the All Star Game. It's fraudulent. It's uh, and you want to know what? Mike Trout's fraudulent. It's 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 that kind of attitude why the All Star Game can't be great again. I want Pete it's Rose never it's over ne- catchers. Hold on. When was the Pete last Rose time? When was the last time the All Star Game was great? Please tell me. Tell oh, me. There's been a bunch of them. Tell, tell, bunch honestly, of honestly, give me a year that the All Star Game in the last ten years that was great. Uh, wow, it might. Well, I have a, a personal favorite. It's not so much the, the All Star Game, but I'm not sure if it was in the last ten years. I don't think it was, so I couldn't. I, I, I won't give it to you. I'm going to tell you this. I have not, and I've watched a lot of All Star. I watched the first couple of innings because that's the the best time to watch it. Honestly, in the last 10 years, I can't remember the last good All-Star game. They're all ridiculous. They're like lobbing the balls over, and, they, and some of them can't even hit the ball when they lob the, lob the ball. Well, who was pitching last year in the fifth inning? He was, throwing like, he was playing games. He was throwing like 80, 81 miles per hour. When he was throwing, he, he throws 95. And it, he was lobbing it in, and nobody could hit the ball. So, come on. It, it's ridiculous. Pitch. Yeah, it, was, it was horrible, man. It, the, the All-Star game in baseball is, is ridiculous. The only game, the only, I think, All-Star game that's fun to watch is the NHL. Honestly. Right, because because they have that contest where they skate 70 miles an hour in a circle. All right. Here we go now. Here we go. Right? Here Isn't we that go. what it is? Here we Fastest go. skater skates at 70 miles per hour? Are, are you done? Are you done? Speedy Readoff with the All-Stars, please. Wasn't, what, wasn't, that, wasn't that how fast he was skating? Uh, Speedy, read off the All-Stars, please. Yeah, so they, there were four, four Rangers, Jonah Heim, Marcus Simeon, Josh Young was a rookie, which was very impressive, and Corey Seager. Uh, two Tampa Bay Rays in the starting lineup as well, Randy Rosarena and Yandy Diaz. You mentioned Judge and obviously Shohei Otani, mm-hmm. uh, DH. Uh, Salvador Perez, the only Royal. How did Nathan Avaldi didn't make this roster? Uh, I didn't get to the pitchers yet. No, he's, he's on. Not, he's, he's on. Is he? I don't yeah, no, see. No, he's it. there. He's there. Oh, there he is. There he is. Yeah, there I didn't. Is. Yeah, I didn't get to the pitchers yet. The other hitters are. I just, uh, I just saw it. Right Salvador here. Perez, Adley Rutschman, uh, his second year in the league. Uh, a lot of Blue Jays on the bench. Vlad Jr., Whit Merrifield, and Bo Bichette. Jose Ramirez, Wander Franco, another Rays representative. Luis Robert, uh, Austin Hayes, Jordan Alvarez, Adolis Garcia. If you want somebody to actually start Jeff over Trout, that that might be the one. Uh, it's Kyle Tucker, Julio Rodriguez, and Brett Rooker, the lone Oakland athlete. Athletic. Uh, Nathan Evaldi, like you were saying, one of the pitchers, along with Otani, naturally. Yeah. Garrett Cole, Luis Castillo, former Yankee Sonny Gray, Kevin Gosman, Shane McClanahan, who's hurt now, so he's not going to play. Framber Valdez, George Kirby, who uh, Josh. Who Powers do you think before. should start for the American? I know Shea Otani is going to start, but Shea Otani hasn't pitched better than Garrett Cole has. This I year. mean, yeah, it would be McClanahan if he was healthy. Yeah. He's had the best year of everybody. Uh, so uh, they obviously Shea Otani was voted as the starting pitcher. Now you wonder game. again. You wonder in Seattle. I mean, they're going to probably give it to Otani, but. George Kirby's on the roster too. He's one of their starters too. So you I think- mean, Garrett Cole has better numbers all the way through than Otani has. I'm just saying. Well, yeah, pitching numbers. Yeah, I don't think it has to do with that. I think it has to do that Garrett Cole will probably have pitched close to the All Star game, so he won't like even play. Mm. He'll just be there. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like he's probably got to start a day or two before the All Star game. Yeah, and they won't have a dude throw on that kind of rest. Right. Do you know what right. I'm saying? Right. Yeah, and teams strategize that all the time. <laughs> So the other like, Ameri- I don't know. I don't know when the game. When when is the game? Next week. Next week. Next week on Tuesday. Right. Right. So so figure out when Cole is pitching, and then and then do the math from there. So mm. that, I that may have something to do with it. It uh, might. Cole has been better. 
I, I, I think Cole's been better, but Shea Otani is I mean, obviously he's the superstar. Everybody wants to see this guy. He's well, is he, he in the home run derby? Clean. Is he in the home run? Derby? Yeah, I believe so. So uh, if he's in the home run derby, everybody's going to want to see him in the home run derby, and everybody's going to want to see him pitch. So I mean, Pete Alonso is back in it again. So. It is for Shohei Otani, no spider attack, no steroids, no cork bats, no Goldilocks balls, no nothing. Like he's done it clean, like. You know? No, he's actually not this year. It's uh, Luis Robert, Adley Rushman, Pete Alonso, Julio Rodriguez, Mookie Betts, Vlad Jr., and Adolis Garcia, Randy Arozarena. Hmm. Uh, Carl says, yes, yes, Dansby Swanson did make the all-star team despite having an off month. Yes, he is the lone, uh, oh no, he's one of the three Cubs representatives along with Justin Steele and uh, Marcus Stroman, ex-Met legend, wonderful. Uh, by the way, the other relievers, uh, your guy Jeff, Kenley Jansen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manuel Classe and two two Orioles relievers, Felix Batista and Yanir Cano, who just got traded from the Orioles to, from the Twins to the <laughs> Orioles last year in the deal for their closer Lopez. So, mm-hmm. oddly enough, National League a lot of Braves like uh, J- our friend Josh Towers was mentioning. Sean, <laughs> Sean Murphy, Orlando Arcia, Matt Ol- Olson, Ozzy Albies, and Austin Riley all make it. Pete Alonso, the lone Met representative. Elias Diaz, the lone Rockies. A lot of Dodgers. I will say this: the the National League roster is better than the American League roster right now. If you look at it, it's better. Lots of Braves, lots of Dodgers. That will end mm-hmm. up doing it. Plus, a, a guy that is uh, hitting 384 right now with Luis Arias. Yes. A, a fantastic season as well. Uh, Nolan Arenado. On the batting title base. last year with the Minnesota Twins. Yep. Uh, Corbin Carroll, the rookie out of the Diamondbacks, doing a very good job as well. He's one of those starters in in the outfield. Uh, yes, Carl Swanson's there. Lords Gurriel from the Diamondbacks as well. Nick, Nick Castellanos. Only one Padre. Now, Juan Soto. If you are the Marlins, do you trade uh, Arias? Uh, no, they're really, they're playing well right now. They're no, first did you tra- I, I'm just saying, would you... You could get a lot back from no, him. No, I wouldn't do that. No, he's 26, too. He's young. Too. Yeah, I would hang on to him. I think he's a cornerstone piece to keep. Plus, he could play a lot of positions, too. He played well, some third. He played some first with the Twins as well. The real stats that matters. I'll give you, I'll give you the real stats that matter. Okay? Pete Alonso is at plus 250 to, hit, to win the home run derby. Mm-hmm. Vlad Guerrero is at plus 300. Julio Rodriguez, plus 450. Luis Robert Jr., plus 450. Gar- Adolis Garcia plus 700, Randy Rosarina plus 800, and Mookie Betts and Adley Rutschman are both at plus 1,200. Betts is in the home run derby, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm. Interesting. He's got sneaky pop, man. Yes. Yes, he does. That's interesting. Where are you putting your money, though? Uh, I, I like Garcia as a value there. I think him being, what is what did you say, the fifth highest odds? I, Where is got, it going to be? Where is it going to be? Again? Seattle. Seattle. So that's not a hit. You need it. You need a distance. You need a I'm distance gonna go, type. Hitter. I'm going to go with Alonzo. Rodriguez or Alonzo? Uh, right. Alonzo. I think you need more distance here. I, I, the one I like is Odolis Garcia from Texas. Like he's um, he's got a really good swing that I think is built for this. Plus good distance. I will. I will give you a guy just because it's in Seattle. This would be my feeling that I would put my money on Adley Rutschman. Hmm. Okay. Because uh, because I believe it's easier to hit a homer to right field than it is to left or to left center or something like that. Interesting. It's an interesting way to think of it. I, I, again, another reason with Garcia is also he's familiar with the ballpark too, being in the West. I think that could help as well. I, I just like it, you know, plus, like plus twelve hundred. It's the longest odds. By the so, way, Adley Rutschman crushes it too. That's number yeah. one. But also, I, I think ballpark has a lot to do with it, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. no, always. You need the right type of swing for the home run derby, too. Right, be... like if, right, like if the if the home run derby was in Fenway Park, you want to be a right-handed hitter, not right. a left-handed hitter. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
and that's kind of how I feel about Seattle. Like, not that left field is crazy long in Seattle, but left center is pretty long. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. I'm just judging based on a lot of natural distance, and I think you you need somebody like Lonzo who does a great distance bonus too. So, uh, Garcia, somebody like that, that'll add up in the way the derby is structured too, and also stamina makes a difference too with the way it's timed now too. And that's why somebody like Otani a couple of years ago when he was facing off with with Vlad as the one versus the eight seed didn't do as well because he wasn't as good with the stamina against Vlad. Mm-hmm. So the remainder of the NL All Stars: uh, Zach Gallen, Spencer Strider, Bryce Elder, and two more Braves pitchers: uh, Carl's guy Steele, Mitch Keller, Derek's guy from the Pirates, uh, Josiah Gray. Shout out to him, uh, d- former Danbury Westerner. I broadcasted him in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clayton Kershaw makes another one, but he's hurt. And Marcus Stroman rounds that out. And uh, Edwin Diaz's brother Alexi makes it from the Reds. Marcus Stro. Um, Josh Hader, Devin Williams, uh, Camilo Duvall from the Giants, and David Bednar from the Pirates round out the relievers. A lot of cups on this list. Yeah, two two top-notch starting pitchers, Carl. You have them finally. Oh, yeah. well, we'll see if they start steal. That'll be interesting to see. Uh, I, I would imagine. I think Gallon deserves it the most. So I imagine they have to start him. But again, Strider's had a really good year too. But again, you wonder what the the park factors too. If they yeah. would go something. See, if Kershaw was pitching and he was healthy, maybe they would start him as a ceremonial thing. But Gallon, I think, is the one that deserves it. Speedy, you ready? All right. Uh, Jeff, we're going to do Bracket Wars, so we'll let you go. That's perfect. That was, yeah, great. But congrats to the uh, Yankees hitting coach for hitting more home runs than Aaron Judge in the last 40 days. What a feat that was. The batting coach has more home runs, but Aaron Judge is an all-star. That's fucking terrific. Goodbye. <laughs> All right, so we got two one seeds in this uh, particular set. We got onto the Elite Eight now. So we got Babe Ruth and Muhammad Ali, and then we got Michael Jordan against Hank Aaron. Here we go. It's time for bracket. 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 It's time for bracket wars. All right, we'll start with the 13 seed, Hank Aaron, making it all the way to the Elite Eight. I okay. can't believe that. I yep, yeah, he, uh, he beat Tom Brady in the last round and beat Rafael Nadal in the first round. And, and we had the fans vote the yes. final vote. And it actually took two polls because the first one was tied. I, I think there was nine votes in the second one. Yeah, no, there was a lot more in the second one. And Hank Aaron got the – which is surprising, too. You would think recency bias, but not the case here. Hank Aaron hit 305 with 70, 755 home runs and 2,297 RBIs, 240 uh, – stolen bases and an OPS of 928. Aaron was an all-star 25 times, won three gold gloves, two batting titles, and an MVP and a World Series title, both in 1957. Aaron is an MLB's all-time leader in RBIs and total bases and held the home run uh, home run record from 1974 until 2007 when Barry Bonds broke his record. Aaron is third all-time in his career, hits with 3,771. He would still have 3,000 career hits even if he took away all his home runs. Aaron is fifth in his run scored with 2,174 and is one of four players in MLB history to have 17 seasons with 150 or more hits. Hank Aaron, overall, when you look at his numbers and his longevity and what he did, batting 305 is not easy career, 755 home runs. Really, he is the real home run winner. Yes. If you really look at it, if they want to take away steroids and Barry Bonds, he's still, to me, the home run champion, and 2,297 RBIs, I, I mean, it's ridiculous. It, it really is. It's, it's something that you're, you look at the numbers, and 
I don't think it'll be ever compared in ma- in the major leagues for the next 20, 30 years. That's how good of a hitter he was. And his longevity, he played, what, 20-some-odd years? Yeah, years? I think the only years he wasn't an all-star was his last year in the league and his first year in the league. And he's, so he had 25 all-star appearances out of 27 years. One so. of the top seven players in Major League history. Absolutely. And, so I would think that. And so. I agree with you on like the fact that it's a true home run champion too because yeah, you, you and, and you and Josh were talking about it before like how much does the steroids really make a difference? It can make a difference though for seven home runs you would imagine yeah. too in a, in a record. Like Barry Bond you could drop him still he's still 700 something but you could probably drop him in the lower 700s more with Babe Ruth. So yeah, yeah I would say Hank Aaron definitely And just the longevity batting yeah. 305 his right. career. I mean it's ridiculous. 2,297 RBIs. I mean 2,297 RBIs. I mean, it's ridiculous. And three different three different teams because he was on the expansion Braves too, and then they moved to the Brewers too. So when the Braves first went to Atlanta and with the Brewers, a lot of new players all at once. And 3,771 hits. You look at all his records. 2,297 RBIs will get you in the Hall of Fame. 3,771, anything over 3,000 hits will get you into the Hall of Fame. And 700, over 600 home runs will get you in the Hall of Fame. Hitting 300 in your career will get you in the Hall of Fame. Honestly, if you look at his numbers, I mean, it's ridiculous. Hank Aaron's one of the top seven players of all time. You can't even argue that. He was a fantastic talent. Yes. And the number one seed, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Was a 14-time All-Star, 10-time NBA First Team, 9-time Defensive Player of the Year, 10-time Scoring Champion, and 5-time MVP. Jordan won six championships and was NBA Finals MVP in all six of them. And never needed a Game 7 to win any of those titles. Jordan also won a National Championship with North Carolina in 1982 and a two-time Olympic gold medalist in 1984 and 1992, the Dream Team. Jordan averaged 30.1 points per game, 6.2 rebounds per game, and 5.3 assists per game in his career in the regular season. Jordan also averaged 33.4 points per game, 6.4 rebounds per game, and 5.7 assists per game in the playoffs. One of the greatest athletes of all time. I think the greatest athlete of all time. I mean... What he did for basketball, how he transitioned the game of basketball internationally, shoe deals, sneaker deals, opening up deals for so many endorsements for players in all different sports. He changed everything. He broke through internationally. For, it really turned sports into an international game. Uh, the basketball into the national game and really helped sports build international, American sports build internationally. Uh, Michael Jordan, I believe the greatest athlete of all time. Yeah, and you look at the influence he had on so many different generations of basketball, too. We talk about it with influence of, of kids with a lot of these other popular athletes like Tiger Woods, we were talking about in the beginning, but somebody like Michael Jordan's done it for so many different age groups, too, and like you said, so many different areas of the world. It is just insane, and again, what he did on the court was just intimidating. Uh. Who do you have? I got to go with Michael Jordan here. I love Hank Aaron, too, but I think there's a run in. I'm surprised Hank Aaron got as far as he did. Yep. I thought there was a lot of Tom Brady yeah. chants and lovers out there, but they took Hank Aaron. And honestly, you can argue that because Hank Aaron I did. was a I special Hank player. Aaron, so. <laughs> he was a special yeah. player, but I, I had Tom Brady. I, I thought Tom Brady should have won. I, I think winning how many Super Bowls? Seven, Seven. Super Bowls. I mean – and five-time MVP in the playoffs, I mean, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It really is ridiculous. So that's just me. Anyways, uh, our next competition, the number four seed, Babe Ruth, versus the number one seed, Muhammad. This is going to be interesting. 
Um, obviously, a, th- a career 342 batting average, 714 home runs, 2,214 RBIs, 474 on base percentage, and 123 stolen bases. Stats as a pitcher 1,221 innings pitch, 107 complete games, 17 shuts out, shutouts, 488 strikeouts, 1.16 whip, and a 2.28 ERA. Won an MVP in, in 1923 and won seven World Series and had two all-star appearances in 1933 and 1934. And uh, the first two years of the MLB All-Star Game existed. But, uh, Ruth had 11 seasons of over 40 home runs and 13 seasons over 100 RBIs. Ruth led the league in OPS in 12 uh, out of his 13 seasons from 1918 to 1931. Honestly, the greatest baseball player of all time. There's no argument to it. If anybody asks you who's the greatest baseball player to ever play, if you look at the numbers, statistics, and even the ballparks, how long it was, the game was completely different. The balls weren't juiced. Like everybody thinks, <laughs> the bats were completely different. Uh, honestly, Babe Ruth is the greatest, and probably Babe Ruth would probably hit. Obviously, they're faster pitchers. They throw right. harder, but he would have he would have transitioned in the game now and, and today. So I think he would have hit more home runs uh, because of the ballparks being smaller than they are, and uh, his power it, it was just ridiculous. So oh, yeah. in the game and the way the game is played now, power is everything. So. I don't know if he hits 342, but I, I think Babe Ruth hits over 300. And I, I think he hits over 800 home runs. That's how good he was and how powerful he was. So, And, and maybe 3,000 RBIs. So uh, Babe Ruth, the greatest baseball player ever to live. Yeah, because you also get the access of modern training, too, where Babe Ruth was trying to do it in an era of like the U.S. history when it wasn't as much invested into the sports as a whole either. They were These baseball players were playing with all these, like, I'll admit looking gloves and like it was being done on civil war fields. So like that's how much they had into sports at that time. And it was a dead ball era, small ball. You could do all different rules and Babe Ruth changed it by saying, all right, I'm going to hit a bunch of home runs. I'm going to call my shots. And he mm-hmm. did that. The number one seed, Muhammad Ali. Ali finished with a record of 56 and five overall record with 37 of those wins with KOs. Ali started a professional career of 31-0 and 0 until he was defeated by Joe Frazier in 1971. He spent 11 years undefeated, 1960 to 1971. Ali also won a gold medal in 1960 and six gold medals in Golden Gloves and World Championship events from 1959 and 1960. Ali was part of some of the greatest fights in boxing history, including... Uh, against Frazier and Sonny Liston, which many believe is the greatest individual fight ever. Ali was a BWAA fighter of the year three times. The ring, the rings, uh, six-time fighter of the year and athlete of the year for Sports Illustrated Association Press in 1974. A lot of people say Muhammad Ali is the greatest boxer of all time. I disagree. I watch boxing religiously. I've seen a lot of great fighters and a lot of great heavyweights. I never got a chance to see Rocky Marciano, undefeated fighter who died in a plane accident. Joe Lewis, who got eliminated early in this competition, who you can compare and contrast. Muhammad Ali looked up to. Joe Frazier, another one. George Foreman. There were a lot of good heavyweights. Mike Tyson, who I think in a six-year span would have knocked out anybody at any time. So... I'm not taking shots at Muhammad Ali. Do I think he's a number one seed? No. I mean, you put him there because a lot of people loved him. 
Uh, but Muhammad Ali is definitely worthy enough to be in a top, you know, a top three seed. So yeah. uh, I would say one of the greatest boxes of all time. Yeah, and a, a good stretch of longevity in that period of time, too, and so much influence. And like you're saying, fought a lot of these classic battles, too. Yeah, I know you were uh, nitpicking on the Sonny Liston one and yeah. thinking you paid off the fight. Which I is, think he was. Which is interesting to think. I, I, again, I, I'm not the in-depth guy to know about that, but again, he had a great run for a very, very long time, too, and a great influence on this sport. Who do you got? I'm going to go with Babe Ruth here, though, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I think Muhammad Ali, there was a little bit of time he had some uh, titles stripped, I think. Um, I forget what it was for, but I was reading about it when uh, today. Five years. You yeah. didn't want to fight in, uh, I think it was Vietnam. Okay, so yeah, the so political end of it. I think that'll ultimately hurt his case here, because they're both extremely influential, positively, for their sport, too. Babe Ruth, I think uh, doing it with baseball, though, the way he did it in a sport that transformed itself so much. Means he a lot. transformed yeah. the sport. Yeah. He, he transformed it. Um, I'm going with Babe Ruth, though. I, I, it's hard to bet against arguably the greatest baseball player ever in a time that he just dominated. And, and yes, there were not as many teams, but to look at the ballparks, and even a guy his size, the guy was over 300 pounds. Right. And he had 128 stolen, 23 stolen bases. I mean, he was a pitcher. He had... He had pitched for 1,221 innings. I mean, 107 complete games. There is not one baseball player in the last 30 years. How about this? In the last 40 years, that has pitched over 107 complete games. We're not going to get 107 complete games this decade. <laughs> so, it, it, to me, it's unbelievable. And 17 shutouts. And a 1.16 whip. And a 2.28 ERA when, it, when he's a power hitter. And he hit 342 with 714 home runs and 2,214 RBIs. It's hard to bet against Babe Ruth. So, I got Babe Ruth. Alright. So, Babe Ruth will move on, ladies and gentlemen. And th there's still a voting where, obviously, me and Speedy... Uh, did we both pick Michael Jordan? Yes, we both picked Michael so Jordan. So Michael Jordan and Babe Ruth move on. Yep, so there you got the first two spots in the final four. We're still waiting on uh, one of our polls to finish up from the ones we had uh, last week. So we're still waiting on the GSP Federer and Wayne Gretzky, Jerry Rice ones to figure out. But we do know one matchup tomorrow will be Mike Tyson versus Michael Phelps tomorrow. That'll be interesting. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a really, really good one. Thank you to our friend Josh Towers for joining us. He was fantastic. Oh, Gave yeah. us some good insight. Had fun with him. He was laughing. We were joking with him. Uh, good luck on your uh, wiffle ball tournament over there, uh, your professional wiffle ball league. Did you see that wiffle ball yes, field that was awesome. over there? It's, it's really awesome. That was cool. It's a yeah. beautiful home, too. Uh, that's his friend. I mean, I thought that was his home. It's fantastic. It really is beautiful. Um, I want to give a shout-out to Devin Williams. Happy birthday. Happy 23rd birthday to the undrafted free agent who played for the Ra Ravens last year. Hopefully we get him on. He played. He was an Oregon Duck. Hopefully we get him on soon. I know it was his birthday week, so we're not going to take Come on the 4th of July. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you to Michael Rubin for not inviting us to his white party. He should have. Uh, everybody else and their mother were invited but us. So thank you to Michael Rubin for not inviting us to his white party. But uh, thank you to all the fans. Thank you to everybody. Remember, Wednesdays will be moved to 9 p.m. moving forward throughout the summer till September. And then we will transition back to 7 p.m. 
on Wednesdays. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow at 9 p.m. Who do we have, Speedy? So tomorrow, returning to the show at 9.30, will be uh, the producer for uh, Minus 3. That's Dave Damaschik's podcast, our friend uh, Mr. Eddie Spaghetti, who uh, oh. I know you were uh, bashing a Saquon, uh, Barry Sanders yes. thing, yes. a while ago. So He's out be, of his mind. He'll be on at 9.30, and then returning to the show at 11 o'clock is uh, Paul Esden Jr., our uh, friend from the New York Jets, Heavy Sports. Will be joining I've been us watching again. his podcast. I've been watching him on YouTube. He's an interesting guy. He's an interesting cat. Pretty funny. Yes. Pretty laid back. Very interesting fellow. So um, I'm interested to hear what he has to say about the Jets, what he's seen, because I know he goes to these. Uh, he's been going to the mini camps and, and watching, you know, what Aaron Rodgers looks like on, looks like on the field. I want to know his opinion on the hard knocks thing, because a lot of people don't like it. As we know, Green Bay don't like it because uh, Aaron Rodgers is not one of <laughs> those guys. Petty. Well, he, Aaron Rodgers over there did not want to be or had no interest in wanting to be on on Hard Knocks. Now all of a sudden, you know, if the Jets are on, he has no problems being on mm-hmm. Hard Knocks. So it just shows you how how bad it was in Green Bay. So it was not getting that much love, Green Bay. No, he, he loved the fans. No, I, no, no, but the, the ownership and the management. Oh, he yeah. couldn't stand the management. Yeah. You heard him. He, he did not like how the management treated him and how he was misled about believing if he wanted to come back because you heard him. He was 90% sure he was going to retire until he came back from the darkness. Right. And then when he said he, he had no phone calls, no reach outs, and then he heard what uh, you know management said about Jordan Love, that he's ready to take over. He he felt he was very much disrespected, but yeah, he wanted Brian Gutenkers fired. <laughs> yep, and he 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 respects the fans. He came out and respected the fans, and and told the fans that he did. This is not something that he wanted. He wanted to be a Packer for life, but and he and I, it's so funny because I, I have a lot of I have a lot of respect for Aaron Rodgers now because he came out for all the great quarterback play and all the great players that played for the Green Bay Packers. He believes he's the greatest to ever play. And he and, and and we've had two or three ex uh Green Bay Packers, some of them that really barely played with Aaron Rodgers said that right. he's the greatest player to ever play for the Green Bay Packers. It says a lot about who he is as a player. So uh, one of the big, biggest and greatest franchises in, in the NFL and NFL history. So, and when you hear that about who Aaron Rodgers is and how talented he is, it just speaks values of who he is uh, on and off the field. Because a lot of these guys said that he's a good person, he's a good right. guy. Even, even our friend Mike Wall, who yeah. played with Brett Favre, said Aaron Rodgers is that. So. They, he also said that Aaron Rodgers was pretty down to earth more yeah. than Brett Favre was. Right. So, uh, it just explains who he is as a player and how people judged him or misjudged him as a player on and off the field. So uh, tomorrow we will be back at 9 p.m. Until then, this is Speedy Petey and Errol Marks, or Errol Marks and Speedy Petey, saying goodnight. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.